It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999, sitting on a roof with our friends here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. That was incredible. And one of your better ones. And with us tonight, oh. save the best for last, Phil. With us tonight is Matt Newman. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad that you called that out because I literally, I my notes got increasingly <laughs> less comprehensive as I drank oh, yeah. to get through this film. Right. And uh, I have one that just says, undies on the roof with one sock, question mark, exclamation sure, sure. point. So it's <laughs> fitting. It's, fitting. Yeah. it's uh, before we get into the, the many, many yes. varied adventures of uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Cole. A uh, real buildings Roman of a of a flick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, it's nice to it's nice to see you on Zoom. We it know is. Matt. We know Matt from uh, from Twitter, where we have engaged with him many times. Um, I don't know how we're setting these episodes up. We'll figure it out at a later date. But I'm just going to do it now. As many of you know, we'll the podcast. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Yeah. As many of you know, the podcast is coming to an end. We're close to the end of our of our 1999 run, and uh, there are some movies that we really don't want to do. So we thought it would be fun. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to reach out to some of uh, some of the people we've met through Twitter over the course of the five year run and put them through the same kind of hell we have to go through on a semi-regular basis. It's a perfect uh, way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Matt Newman stepped up and is, was willing to watch, watch um, 
The Adventure of Sebastian Cole, mm-hmm. the 91 minute Adrian yep. Grenier yep. Clark Gregg movie that is about not what you'd expect. Not what you think. <laughs> I, I texted Kenny after because I, I do a document <clears throat> every week and I and I you know paste it in the synopsis and I texted Kenny. I was like, do you know what Adventures of Sebastian Cole is about? And then obviously he Googled it and he's like, I had no idea. Like this is, first of all, like you could have told me it was about anything and I would have been like, sure. I mean, I don't know. I'll tell you what <laughs> you, I mean, I, you know, this has been, on, I mean, Matt, we're going to talk to you in a sec, yeah. uh, but like this has been on our, this has been on our list from the beginning, obviously, yes. as all these films have been. And it has, it has a, a title sticks in your head. And it, I mean, and for it me, it does weirdly though. It sounds, it's good. a solid title. Yeah. It yeah, is. Yeah. It's just, and it, it's a little mellifluous. Yeah. And for me yes. in particular, I know this is extremely like, like lame shit and uh, like, like totally irrelevant to everyone else in the world. But my son is named Cole and his best friend is named Sebastian. So it was there always kind of funny to me <laughs> that there was eventually named Sebastian Cole starring my good friend, Andrew Grenier. So, um, just Shocked you mean, didn't come should, on the podcast we, for this. Yeah, just yeah. I, I mean, well, well it, he, he wouldn't answer my my calls. It but, should be said uh, though that we did yeah. mention this movie back when we did the Drive Me Crazy episode. We oh, talked. Yes. About, we we talked about like you know because obviously he had Kenny a couple and, bangers and a couple bangers and Kenny yeah. and Adrian go way back. You know, all the way yes. all the way back to the to the um, entourage days. And it should be said, lovely guy, uh, a little quirky, but. Um, all the problems, any problem that happened in Entourage had nothing to do with him because he really is. He really, he's what you think he is. He's like, he's he's a professional. Mm-hmm. He's beautiful, and he <laughs> is like kind of singularly focused on like his environmental stuff. Like, really, that's awesome. Howard, yeah. he's he is, and I would I would argue he's what like near the bottom of my. If I I don't have an issue with him on Entourage, I guess is what I'm getting at. I liked him as. Vinny, it worked. You know what I mean? Like remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's he yeah. made the show, honestly. Like kind of. Yeah. You need to buy into the fact that this guy is a movie star, and just, despite the fact that you know he's not a huge movie star, <laughs> it works. It works. He he, he he has he has some ineffable quality. Yep. He has an ineffable star on a TV show about being a star quality. Yes, 100%. That is not the same as being a star, unfortunately mm-hmm. for him. And it always held him back to some, for, for some reason. But that like, I don't know, Matt, did you ever watch Saved by the Bell? Yes, absolutely. Great, wonderful. Good, now we can go. <laughs> Do you remember the episode when Johnny Dakota came to school? 100%. Johnny Dakota has that same quality. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Johnny oh Dakota was Johnny Dakota was a TV star that came to school to hang okay. out with the with the Bayside gang. Uh-huh, not to hang uh-huh. out. Yeah. He came out to shoot an anti drug PSA. Okay. At Spoiler Bayside. alert. Yeah. <laughs> turns out he turns out he like he, he he's a dope smoker. Oh shit! Uh, and so the so a hypocrite. And it was crazy. And Tartikoff was out of the show to, like. Greta Tar- <laughs> Tartikoff was on the show himself. Like, oh my gosh, he came at the end and he's like, "Guys, I'm so sorry. I sent uh, you that that drug smoker, uh, 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 Jaddy Dakota. But would you six cool kids like to do the PSA? Which would instead? never do drugs. Those kids would never do drugs. No, no. Yeah. Well, it would, in a word, would I do dope? Nope. Um, that was exactly. <laughs> Wait, Jesse does. Life. She does uppers. You know, obviously. Yeah, they were yeah. caffeine pills. Let's. Give oh, her a break. sorry. Let's sorry. Break. It was. It was network TV uppers. I didn't know. And didn't she know. was in the middle. <laughs> she was uppers, the middle of. She was in the middle though. of like yeah, her yeah. first run with Hot Sunday. There was a lot of pressure. <sighs> Man, 
So I love. I didn't I, know how deep you could go on Saved by the Bell, Kenny. I didn't. Uh, me? I, yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Uh, it's weird. Four hundred and ninety-two episodes into the show, that that's the first time it's come up. But I, <laughs> I, I can, I can go, happen. I can go down to the bone. It one hundred percent checks out because I think a big reason that I connected so much with podcasts like it's ninety nine is because oh. you're both within a five year ish radius of me, okay. and so the context. And like I worked at a video store, I was that I was that guy. So like, yeah, it's like, but say by the bell, very formative. You know, like a lot of, uh, you know, it seems memories. Hundred percent. You guys had say by the bell. I had Degrassi Junior High. I understand, but, but that, Degrassi that, you know I mean? good. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. But I very just, speak, very different. Yes, no, but I hear you. No, I'm not. I'm not I don't, of like when yes, it hit yes, me, yes. and you know, that's back, you know, that, that's the difference. Like. That's a difference between America and Canada. There, you make it. You made a superior product. Why you're better than us? That no one cares about. Yes. Uh, if, if only yeah. people knew how great we all were. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah. Matt, you got you. You just you just told us a little bit. We now know that you are. You know. 37 to 45 um, years old. Uh, and Nailed we it. previously established before you, uh, before you got on mic that you're in Cincinnati, a city that I, uh, that I visited this summer and uh, have great esteem for or hold in high esteem. Um, Matt, what else uh, should we know about you? What else should the listeners know about you? Um, well, can I, can I ask a, a question? Uh, yeah. How, here's my question. Um, and this is, I don't mean this to sound self-serving, but how did you hear about the podcast? Like how did this, I, was, I mean, I know you were going to get to it, I'm sure. Kenny, no, I just, wasn't going to ask uh, it. I, I just hoped he was going to say it. Oh, oh man. I mean, well, you can leave, I, so, you can leave it in your, in your hands. Yeah. A little bit of background about me. I am a, <clears throat> I'm in PR, so I feel like I came with talking points and I knew I had to hit that. So that's, there you that's go. one of those things. Um, I actually have a really vivid memory of like the first time that I listened to the podcast because it was pre pandemic. Mm. Uh, I was not that long moved back to Cincinnati from LA. Uh, and I was kind of like just missing talking about movies in the business and was just literally Googling like podcasts about movies. And it came up and uh, I listened to the uh, eyes wide shut episode was the first one that I listened to. And uh, I was like, this is my shit. <laughs> this is it. Well, so I appreciate yes. that. That, that. What's interesting <clears throat> is that I don't know if if I listened to Eyes Wide Shut, if I would have stuck around. <laughs> and I only say that not that's not you know. I just mean in the sense that like it was our first episode, right? Like I'm sure if Kenny and I listened to that episode now, it would seem like we were had training wheels. Do you know what I mean? Like it didn't. We hadn't really found our. Well, 100%. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I obviously have a thing, but you know, whatever. I have it in my mind to uh, to go back and watch some or listen to some of the earlier episodes, sort of as you guys wrap up, because I'm very curious about it. But I do vividly remember it was raining, and I was driving home from work, and I'm just like listening to like the reminiscences about this movie. That was like for me, it's like one of my top three of the year for sure. Um, And being like, I love the hit the hits first. But also thinking like I just feel like I'm listening to two guys that are like into movies that are just ta- having a conversation, which was nice. And and you've yeah, it's, it's gotten a lot more polished. And as you've gone along, not that it was bad, <laughs> but it was you know, yeah. There's there's some differences for sure. Um, but yeah, going back to you, Kenny. Um, yeah, uh, I'm in PR. Uh, grew up here in Ohio. I bounced around a little bit. I was in New York for a while in LA and back here. And uh, I my my parents will be super stoked about this because uh, my film studies degree. I finally. <laughs> Good. Finally, I'm glad we could. I'm glad we could help. Later. That's great. 20, yeah. 20 plus years later, I'm putting it to good use. Uh, I I had aspirations to to work in the industry, and I did the production thing for a couple of years, and was like, I'm. 
good. I'm just going to like. Yeah, it's hell. I get it. It sucks. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I, I wouldn't suggest. We want to blow our brains out on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but I, so it is interesting though, because like, I feel like this film I found myself thinking a lot about Adrian Grenier for obvious reasons. He is sort of the protagonist of this film, which made me obviously think about Entourage, which in it is, I guess I've never asked you this question, Kenny, but like, do you think that that show was a, a, an accurate representation of this industry? Oh, um, I think that it, Truly, I think it was the most accurate represent, representation of the industry that we've had. Um, I, I don't think it was perfect, yeah. but uh, to, I, I mean, I was going to say to our credit, really to the people who were there before me, I didn't start until season three. So there, there was, you know, and, and, and a lot of this has to do with being on HBO and being paired up with Sopranos. Um, sure. we knew that was something that was going to happen. And, uh, the thing I, the thing about Sopranos or one of a million things special ever made that I love about Sopranos is there was no handled. Right. Yep. So if there was a term or if there was a situation or if there was a, a relationship that was, you know, specific to the mob or specific to New Jersey or specific to the law, they didn't tell you, well, this is what it is. This is what it, you, had to, you had to figure it out or you had to Google it. Yeah. We went the same way. There, there are things in Entourage that I think seem a little, seem second nature to us, but for other people, that was hard to, you know, glom onto, hard to kind of figure out. So, and for instance, even like a character like Lloyd mm-hmm. um, doesn't make a lot of sense to other people who haven't done this. It doesn't make a lot of sense that a, that an adult professional man would be another man's secretary. Um, but he's not a secretary. He's an assistant. And in this industry, you know, it's assistant being an assistant is more like being an apprentice. And that's something yeah. that people don't really understand, but it's not something that we ever said what I said, which is have someone come out to Hollywood and be like, I don't want to be a fucking secretary. It's just the way it was. <laughs> right. And I do think we deserve credit for that, you know, for that kind of thing and the lack of handholding. Um, in that respect, I know, um, you know, I even like it should be said too, you know, Kenny and I obviously, you know, as anyone who's listened to this podcast know that we met as assistants at UTA. And I think that as an assistant watching that show, um, I would say, especially in season two, when I felt like it was really kind of cresting to some degree or another, uh, it felt like someone got it, which was kind of cool. And even I remember because we were there together on season two. And I remember distinctly being on a tv lit desk the night or the day after the the tt fly episode happened the best episode of the of the, of the series yeah. and agents were going around to other agents going tt fly so yeah like like every other representation i think people would say is is authentic or is realistic are generally movies that hate hollywood and are skewering the Hollywood so hard. Sort of the player is the play, and the pl- yeah. and the player is wonderful and amazing. But I'll tell you what, no one ever. There's no screenwriter killing. There's no executive killing screenwriter and getting deals off. Not of nearly it. enough. I, I understand. Well, <laughs> I like the other the other way around, but it's not. Um, it, it, it's it's obviously I'm not breaking new ground. It's obviously yeah. a metaphor, and I think people get that and they like that. But 
and even the everything about the players is, is is so heightened to the point of being you know only realistic as a metaphor i would also say movie we did this year bowfinger which again mm-hmm. to me not realistic in any kind any way whatsoever but people in the industry be like that is what it's like yeah. i mean chubby brain <laughs> is a little too far but like that is what it's like <laughs> it's close yeah. we never went there like maybe to our maybe to our detriment Mm-hmm. You know, we tr- really did try, truly did try mm-hmm. to make to have Vince be in the kind of movies that a guy like Vince might actually be. in. I think um, that, I mean, it, I, I honestly and I mentioned this to you. I, I don't know when it was, Kenny, because I, I did a little bit of a rewatch of Entourage many, many moons ago. And I was texting you about it. And like the, the show is a a lot better than anyone gives it credit for. But I also th- understand why it was sort of kicked around a little bit at the time like it's just it's, it's just an interesting thing all that being said we're here to talk about the adventures of Sab- uh, sebastian <laughs> cole today i'm going to give a little bit of context for the one of like people that maybe three yeah. one of like three pre-entourage movies that adrian cole kind of what was the adrian other call adrian cole. what was the other well, one? there was it uh the the other 99 flick that he did? well there's there well, is driving the crazy drive, drive me crazy there's yeah. this the other one is. and the harvard man is the other one oh, okay Okay. And it was just like Toback, I think James Toback. And uh, so he was somebody. He was enough. Well, he was, was he in the, he perfect... in the pussy posse? No. <laughs> it seems like he should be, should have been. I don't know why I, I thought he was. Well, uh, you know why? Because, because, he's, because, because he's in the fake in... pussy posse. <laughs> <laughs> he's, in, he's in celebrity. He's one of DiCaprio's friends in celebrity. Yeah. The, the, mm. the, you know, the Woody Allen film. And I think that like my brain sort of has just projected him into the actual pussy posse. In, in real life, God loved Leonardo DiCaprio. In real life, uh, there was nobody in the pussy posse, even one hundredth as good looking as Adrian, aside from Leo. <laughs> Uh, you don't think Tobey Maguire's hot? Uh, whoa, whoa! Come on now. <laughs> <Hot> <laughs> Cider House rule stands are just rioting right now. Nothing, right. It, yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing. But oh. it was nothing but but like skinny f boys. Like that's just kind of yeah. the crew, no, 100%, but, for sure. And 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 Harmony Corinne and David Blaine is oh pretty good looking. Insane. But, uh, so the Avengers of Sebastian Cole is about Hank, played by Clark Gregg, married. Marries the divorced Joan, who's the mother of teen Sebastian, played by Adrian Grenier, and Jessica. But after living with his new family for years, Hank suddenly announces that he's getting a sex change operation. The family then deserts Hank. With Jessica going her own way and Sebastian staying with his mom, but Joan becomes an alcoholic, so Sebastian moves back in with Hank, now Henrietta, who turns out to be far more supportive than anyone else. The Adventures of Sebastian Cole opened on August 6th, 1999 against The Sixth Sense, The Blair Witch Project, Runaway Bride, and The Thomas Crown Affair. So just getting absolutely fucking massacred. Yeah, we're going, yeah. It would go on to make about $100,000. Uh, it has 46% on Rotten Tomatoes or, or, for or what Adrian used to make an episode. <laughs> just <kidding. Hey-o. laughs> um, But what's interesting, 46% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 70% from audiences. That's a pretty significant discrepancy. And I'm, I'm so glad you caught that because I surprised. <laughs> like, what? Who are these like Sebastian Cole stands that are like? I, I mean, I, don't know. I mean, who are the 46 critics? Well, you know? here's the thing: Roger Ebert gave the film three stars. Said out of four, uh, the Adventures of Sebastian Cole is a coming of age movie that puts a new spin on some of the challenges faced by sensitive teenagers. It's not unusual to have problems with the stepfather, but it's fairly rare for the stepfather to announce that he has decided to become a woman. It's also rare for a movie to show a teenager who needs guidance and a parent willing to provide it. The fathers of most movie teenagers are absent, stupid, or cruel. Sebastian is wise and loving, first as Hank, then as Henrietta. The 
movie might have developed along predictable lines as a sitcom of a coming of age with a transsexual parent, but it avoids easy and cheap shots and actually grows more perceptive and thoughtful until at last we're drawn into the simple human level. These people are worth knowing. Sure. Uh, so Todd Williams, the writer director of this film would go on to make um, a film that I actually saw <laughs> because I love, he did. It's, it's a strange thing. So there's this book by John Irving called a widow for one year. It's one of my favorite books. Todd Williams adapted the first third of that book into a film with Jeff Bridges and Kim Basinger uh, called a door in the floor, um, oh, yeah, a door on the which floor. is, which yeah. is a, a solid movie. Um, but uh, outside of that, and then he did, I think, the second um, uh, paranormal, paranormal activity. activity. <laughs> you know, because that... I did the research, sense. guys. I did the research. Yeah. We so appreciate he, that. We very then, much you, then you also know that's the bad one. <laughs> <laughs> is it the bad one? What makes it the bad one? It's just boring. It's a rehash oh. of the first one. The first one's amazing. The third one is like... Like, all, like too good to believe, frankly. Sure. It's the, second like, one, the second one is like, just do that again. Yeah, the second one is do that again, oh, yeah. and the third one is like I don't know, like it's the guys who did Catfish. It was their first like sp- scripted movie, oh, and right. they were just like, "We're going to do everything we can to not be like embarrassed by this." And they were really clever. I really liked the third one. But so, um, the movie that this weirdly reminded me of at times was Rushmore. Did you guys get a Rushmore vibe from this a little bit when he's like riding his bike through the halls? It's the the school uniform. Um, I also, just before we go on, I had another yeah. bit of research. Uh, the door in the floor, the uh, Jeff Bridges character, also last name Cole. So I don't know if that's a thing. Oh, just got, interesting. Got a Cole fixation. I it's probably a John Irving yeah, title all that he brought, from, brought over Kevin from. from yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, I totally got that. And um, also, like, maybe random Easter egg of the movie. Uh, I got Garden State. Uh, yeah, yeah, the scene true. where he shoots the arrow into the—that's yes. a one that's for literally one. Literally in the movie, isn't it? It, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's another note. Like Garden State, all caps, exclamation point. I think this movie is the only time that's written State. in people's notes. Is- <laughs> <laughs> think it's better than Garden State. I think it's about as good as Garden State. Wow. I think, like, really? I think, well, I think Garden. I think Garden State's pretty bad now. Like, I, I really did like it in what was it? Oh three when it came out. Oh four. <sighs> but yeah, oh, um, oh three. yeah, yeah. And that then I. I returned to it, you know, when I was writing something that I thought it was uh, relevant for and kind of mm. couldn't believe how inept I thought it was. I would Still say the they both great, aged but... poorly and had pretty good soundtracks for the movie. I, I that... agree. I'm going <laughs> to ride a little bit for Garden State here. The smallest amount more than you guys, only insofar as that. Um, first of all, I think the music's better in uh, Garden State, but that's neither here nor there. hundred percent. The, the music think... is excellent in that movie, so I don't mean to hit. And on. I, I do think, like, yeah. despite the fact that like Zach Braff has proven himself to not be a particularly good director, that movie actually kind of has a vision. Whether or not you're on its wavelength, whether or not it's Fair. working for you, it worked for me in 2002 or 2003 when I was like in my early 20s and i was like this movie's a this movie's a masterpiece and it then hit the zeitgeist in a I, very yeah. real way yeah. like there's like it touched live wire and for like five yeah. years like there are not many movies that for like a five ish year yeah. period people are just like that's amazing so i would do it's not and it's not a lot of fun in 2022 where we are to hate on garden state at this point i think everyone kind of knows easy the, it, it reminds me a little bit. I just saw Vengeance. I told you this film, uh, the BJ Novak BJ movie. Novak. And it only reminds me of that movie in that those are two guys who I root against very hard. Oh, my God. Um, 100%. Yeah, yes, right? The worst. Those, He's those the guys are 
worse than those that. guys are both like the the biggest. No, I, 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 no, I'm not talking about the characters. I'm talking about the humans, <clears throat> the humans behind the movie. Yes. I root against Zach Braff and BJ Novak, the people, and <laughs> I liked both of those movies uh, in the moment, despite how much I didn't want them to succeed. Um, now the it's, thing, and and the yeah. other thing that happened definitely was Zach Braff. I mean, and for me right now, with my BJ Assans. <laughs> uh is is uh i was really interested in what Braff was doing next you know like he turned yes. me and right now with bj like he's made so much shit like frankly where you know i almost feel like i i don't know how vengeance happened because it really is a very good movie but, <laughs> yeah i don't so want to get back so hard no 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 this is this is <laughs> this is the way it goes matt no, this this is, so I, good, i'm <laughs> taking the car off the cliff and he's i love like, it so much like i will i will tangent to but Matt, you've seen you've seen Vengeance. It sounded like I did. Yeah, I, I watched it a couple weekends ago. What do you think? Uh, I I liked the film, but thought he uh, he he was a terrible character, and I am questionable about the sort of like. Well, BJ's insufferable is the yeah. thing. Like he, that's unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Like yeah. he branded himself that guy out of the office. He's aware of it. Like that's yes. the yeah. part of the movie. I, yeah, he's like. To his credit, he does it in such a way that's not self-loathing, mm-hmm. not like a Pauly Shore is dead kind of way, mm-hmm. um, but definitely like understands that the audience is going in being like, fuck this guy. Yeah. yeah. But I, 100% so, I would yeah. say that the, he, that character in that movie is someone that like thinks he's really cool. And I think Sebastian Cole also thinks he's really cool. And that's 100%. my my big memory from what. So I saw this in probably not in the theater, sure, but, but still but that like, hundred thousand dollars was something I brought home. Yeah, I was one of the the You're rental one of the, purchases. One of, one of the like, well, actually probably not because I brought it home from the store I was working at, so I didn't pay for it. But I definitely like watched it on DVD when it came out. And like the only thing I, I didn't remember anything about the transparent or like like all the important stuff. But I did remember just like thinking Adrian Grenier was kind of cool. That was my big takeaway. From from the movie when you emailed me and were like you went to this movie i was like oh yeah it's the one where like adrian grenier was kind of cool and like kind of a badass and man that was that was not the whole thing i you know (laughs) what's interesting too i agree with you 100 i'll also to to piggyback on that i think todd williams thinks that sebastian cole was cool which is maybe the most damning thing that that you can say about it it's it's one thing that like adrian's playing the role i think to the uh, to the best visibility. But I, I want to rewind real quick for a second about what you were talking about with Garden State, because I think it's worth noting that like Garden State is one of the first, like maybe not one of the first, but it's in that early kind of Fox searchlight thing, right? When like searchlight was starting to brand itself a little bit as the indie darling, we're going to go to Sundance. We're going to buy Sundance movies. We're going to buy good girl. We're going to buy, you know, Garden State, whatever. Right. And then this movie is one of the early paramount classics titles before they get paramount vantage down the road but it's like it's just interesting how in the in the sort of late 90s early 2000s you had all of the studios building those independent arms you had warner brothers had like their little independent they all had their own little pockets of these independent things and i can understand why you know this is the year after Rushmore. I can understand why you pick up a movie like this thinking, oh, we've got another like young auteur with a cool hip vibe and it's all like doing a weird coming of age thing. But unfortunately, like genuinely don't understand the tone of this film. The bookends of this movie baffle me. 
like it starts really like weirdly dark and moody it's got this spooky music we see him all bloody we see this woman you know taking care of his wounds and then you know obviously to jump ahead the end of it we come full circle and it just ends with him like running away to like funny music or something like that like how the fuck did he get from this like it's such a false in media res that it's you know what i mean like it, it just it really that kind of that maybe annoyed me the most because that might as well have been a freeze frame like yeah, it, was, it was a freeze frame ooh, yeah it was oh yeah. god was <laughs> sorry yeah you, what, what movie have what movie that we've done did this remind you most of oh are you asking me kenny yeah i, th- well, I think there's a one i think there's a there's an obvious answer i I, not, I apologize that i don't know what that is significantly so. better than this movie in my opinion and oh. also in my opinion less significantly less ambitious you got it matt no see, i'm see. very curious let's, to hear, let's, let's hear it kenny uh outside providence oh, oh I, sure. I buy that 100 sure, sure. yeah felt sure. a lot like outside providence to me and yes. which i love yes you do and one outside providence is funny mm-hmm. and it's you know and <laughs> and but and two the film doesn't seem to think that the main character is cool but the main Correct. but the people within the world kind of like hope that they're cool and i mean the other yeah. movie that's kind of like this that is a, a abomination is detroit rock city but um you but, know what's interesting about the, the the outside providence thing which i agree with kenny is that outside providence is is a much broader movie mm-hmm. filled with more believable three-dimensional characters 100%. and 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 the the emotion in that movie is so pure. Yes. I mean, the emotion yes. of this movie is. I, I I don't think this movie is quite as bad as you guys think it is. I don't think it's good, but like, it, <laughs> yeah, I the, mean, the, the the Clark Greg Adrian sure. Grenier relationship is is lovely, yeah, lovely yeah. and 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 mature and progressive sure. and you know grounded and it's only you know it's only kind of it only deals with the trans issues when other characters bring it up and occasionally mm-hmm. Adrian brings it up, but not, not in a real judgmental way, more in a jocular way, because it's never like, you know, like the other characters, like his, his ex-wife and the, and the daughter, you know, basically bring it up and then say, use it as an example as I go fuck yourself forever. Yeah. Um, where, you know, Adrian will say things like, you know, are you going to be cutting your penis off? But kind of in a in a yeah, matter of factly kind of matter of fact kind of way sure. you know it really um, reminded me of um similar i know you guys have done podcasts on or like on uh, uh or you've talked a lot about six feet under mm-hmm. um it felt I progressive have, sure, per, sure. yeah pretty per, sure yes progressive in uh, pro, progressive in a 1999 way in similar ways as that the keith character and mm-hmm. in sure. that and that it's sort of like he's gay but he's masculine and he's a cop, he's a cop he's, and he's cool. yeah and, and i felt like they were trying to be like well no he's you know she's trans but she still like can beat up a guy and like <laughs> well anyway, this, it, this is sort of my big issue with the, the trans in this film first of all <laughs> gotta say kenny and it's worth noting and I, I think we've talked about this but like obviously boys don't cry is is for all intents and purposes sort of tip of the spear real yeah. groundbreaking trans film um and a brilliant movie um there's just so much if they're if they're not talking about it directly there's a lot of trans allegories going on in 99 that i really didn't pick up on obviously in 99 um and and as we've talked about the the truly disappointing thing is that no one took that baton really and ran with it like it kind of disappears for like a decade it feels like 
Who knows? So, <laughs> I mean, not who knows. Pe- people know, yes. you know, yes. queer scholars know. We yes. don't know. Yeah. But there, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's these these two kind of poles here. You have yes. Boys Don't Cry explicitly, yep. you know, contextually about mm-hmm. the trans experience. Sure. You have The Matrix, which sure. is, you know, allegorically, but, you know, I think <clears throat> everybody with half a brain realizes that it's metaphorically about the trans experience. Then sure. you have things where trans characters are um, foreground, uh, yes. all about my mother, and mm-hmm. um, better than chocolate, for instance. Yes, yes, yes. Where yes. you know where we have things like that, and you have other things that are kind of softer allegories, like we talked about being John Malkovich. Yes. So while and and the thing that all these movies actually weirdly have in common, including this one, is the respect that's afforded to the character in question and the uh the experience you i'm sure Mm -hmm. that there are other trans allegories in the 10-year period you're talking about that were just not kind of you know dialed in as dialed into sure but i I don't yeah but the other part of it you know there aren't a ton of trans characters that i could think of you know in the in the next 10 years and in prominent movies i mean you have some i mean what was the chilean movie where I don't remember, but the point okay. being, it's it's you know it's kind of few and far between, you know, and and the, I was the, just the depictions are so poor that they you know they they made the documentary recently, the Netflix one about how yes, horrible exactly. it all was. Um, it's I mean this was this was one of those things where I had no idea that this was even a part of this film, right? Like that this was this a, a bearing wall of this film, really. Um, and and I, I think that Clark Gregg gives a a very sort of heartfelt performance. I think the writing of it is for the most part quite genuine and grounded. There's times where I feel like you know he I, I can't totally decide if the filmmaker just thinks it's quirky to have this in the film. You know, and whether or not, you know, it's it's with the best of intentions of trying to sort of shine a light on uh, a community so much. And then I would also say killing Henrietta at the end of the film to me was just so uh, first of all, you're blindsided by it. It happens off screen. Um, Obviously, it's a gut punch to Sebastian's character, but he apparently gets over it quite quickly and quite easily. Um, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very, you know, barrier gaze. It's, it's, it, that's what I'm saying. It, it, they it's just leave you with it yeah. too, man. There's, yeah. there's, yeah. there's no room to breathe on that news at all. It's just sort no. of like, oh, and by the way, like what doctor would do that? Yeah, like it's it, all just very strange. Well, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's. I, I guess ultimately, it's what, what sort of is the most. It's just, it, it's, it's unearned. So you really just find yourself feeling. Um, cheated, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? I've I've invested in this character. You've you know you, you've wanted me to love this character, and then you've killed this character. Um, and not just it's not as though like, and I'm not saying that this would have been a good idea, but like, there's any number of ways that that character could have been killed. But for sure. for her to die during her surgery feels like an indictment in and of itself, in a weird way. So like, there's just stuff that's just not great. About there's it. if I was feeling less generous, <laughs> there's certainly there there. I don't feel like the movie supports this this reading. I really don't believe that the okay. movie supports. No, no, no. I just don't believe the movie supports the reading that it is uh, in in any way, uh, you know, kind of warning against or prophesizing against. Uh, I, I don't mean to know, suggest like, that it is. I don't I, think you I, are either. I don't think you are either. I do think that even the depiction of that 
is a little third railish to me. Right. Um, but I don't think that's that's what the movie is is supporting. I do think the movie is using a character, a trans character, as a uh, as a plot device, so our you know straight white boy yes. can can experience Learn something. And grow and, yeah. Well, he wants to felt- he wants to be a writer, right? So he wants, oh. so it's yeah, you got it. Hundred percent. It very much felt like what. So I watched this with my wife. And at, at some point in time when they were talking about him wanting to be a writer, she said, yeah. he doesn't even own a fucking moleskin. Like the guy, <laughs> yeah. the guy just, doesn't, he's a, he wants to, he's the quintessential MFA guy that wants to be a writer, but doesn't actually want to be a writer. He just wants yeah. to like be Hemingway. And he literally calls out Hemingway. And it just felt very much like, uh, you know, I don't know much about this director and what he's done afterwards other than Door in the Floor, but very much like, and obviously the last, the other film that I saw of his, Door in the Floor, is about a writer who is like living with his professor who he thinks is godlike. Like, just like, oh, I'm going up and absorbing the, these like weird, quirky experiences. And it just felt very much like that. Like, well, oh. it's, I mean, as Kenny and I can both attest, um, <laughs> there's nothing more interesting than the writing process. Um, everyone wants to watch a movie about a writer. Yeah, or a I'm sure you've both written writer. countless pilots. I've written a couple it's, of it's, short stories. It's all myself. we do. It's but, just, but yeah. I do think that it's, I would, it's you also know, the, sorry, it, it's all writers do. Yeah, we're so no, we're so lame and boring. Just thinly veiled stories about our own writing. Look, genuinely, yeah. genuinely, the, the least visually interesting profession there is. Uh, and how many? How many? I mean, how many movies are about writers? That's what I mean, so you went on, for Wonder Boys. Just give me, just give me. We the do movie love about the writers. Just do Wonder Boys over and over. Give again. me the movie about the writer not writing. Because that's well, what Wonder Boys is about, right? Wonder Boys is about yeah, the writer yeah. not writing, and that's, well, and, and adaptation is sort of about a guy not writing as well. Yes, <laughs> weird right, yes. but I, but I, so, I do yeah. think it's worth it's worth noting too that, and I, it it really kind of set my my teeth on edge with this too is the trope of I want to be a writer, but nothing's happened to me yet. I need something horrible to happen to me, and then of course something horrible will happen to them by the end of the film, and then of course they're they're they blossom into a into a brilliant writer. Uh, it's it's. What's you know. unfortunate about they, it? I take bets that he didn't. Like I would take <laughs> solid bets that he didn't. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. The adventures of Sebastian Cole and the only adventure is about his stepmother. It, like, like let's be yes, real. Like, yes, yeah, for sure. Jo- yeah. Josh Radner mm. made a movie. Josh Radner, you yes. know, in his I, I want to be Zach Brack Brack mm-hmm. phase, which I don't think has ended. Made Liberal a, arts was that what it was called? Yeah, yeah. was it that made a movie yeah. where he was a writer who to whom nothing has happened. And he's like, I had, he's like, I have good parents and I was you know, upper middle class and I never missed a meal. And how could I be a good writer if nothing's ever happened? Um, good question. Make it up. I, That's what being a writer is. <laughs> Literally all, the job. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that, that, that is the backstory of almost every fantasy writer. You know, it's like J.R. <laughs> J.R.R. Tolkien was like, like a little English schoolboy, you know, who just had no friends and loved dragons, but um, and incest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and his and his mummy. Um Yeah. Come, but I, come at me estate. Oh, come boy. at me token estate. Oh, it's just it's it's unfortunate. It doesn't feel like there's also a part of me too that's like I watch a movie like this and I also feel like there are studio notes, even though this is an independent film for all intents and purposes, but sometimes you feel like sometimes you, know, sometimes you give yourself studio notes. Right. Where you're well, like, I'm not oh, kidding. Well, sometimes yeah, no, you give yeah. yourself the like 
Phil, we're doing it right now. You know, and the thing we work on, like sometimes you're like, well, is this going to, yep. is, 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 is this the kind of thing they're going to buy? Is this the kind of thing yeah. we're going to buy? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so I do want to talk very just briefly about the supporting cast and some of the cameos in this movie. You've got oh Femke Johnson popping up for one scene. Merit, You've got Merit Weaver. Yes. Yes. Yep. Merit Weaver killing her two scenes. Uh, I all all caps, all exclamation points in my notes. Because when she get, shows get up, a little like, kiss action, getting yep. a little kiss action. But it when she showed up, I was like, wait a second. Is that like I had to? It's like her third credit. Mm-hmm. She looks so young. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just, you can just tell the camera loves her, loved her from like the jump. Like there's just something so mm-hmm. watchable about her. And the scene where uh, they do whippets basically, <laughs> yes. and then and then he sprays her with whipped cream and tries to kiss her. And she's like, my, but you're, you know, my friend's into you or whatever. And it's, it's, it shows that, Hey, uh, Sebastian sucks. Uh, he's a <laughs> shitty guy. Uh, but she's great in that scene. She, she absolutely kills it. Um, Gabriel, I think it's mock. Is that how you pronounce his last yeah. name? Of suits fame uh, shows up as a deeply homophobic asshole in this film. Is that the guy that gets punched in the terribly choreographed fight scenes? Very no. bad. You're That's talking about Joe. Joe, Joe the yeah. Joe the blue oh, collar man. Okay. I'm talking okay. about his, uh, his girlfriend's fan, so. boyfriend. His girlfriend. His sister's boyfriend. Okay. Uh, okay. Who like drives him like ten feet and then kicks him out of the oh. car for no reason. Yeah, that is a wild fight though that you alluded to. It's oh, the, one of the some worst. Of the, fights some of the worst seen. punches you've ever seen. It's genuinely <laughs> at the bottom like, stage. It's, it's yeah. like yeah. Godard Alphaville level of. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, sorry, it's topical because R.I.P. But yeah, it was a crazy <laughs> bad film studies fight. degree, guys. There, I'm I love it. You. Love it. No, yeah. no, that's good. It was bad. Uh, the 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 yes the the scene at the batting cage was terrible. Uh, Sebastian's frosted tips, a lot of fun there with the hairstyling. Oh yeah. Um, I I don't completely understand why he rides a bicycle and then a motorcycle through his school at either point, other than that. I Did think he ride the motorcycle through the school. Yes. Okay. Oh, and I just I was like, I guess the writer director was like, wouldn't it be cool if? I, mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I, it's it's. It's so Wes Anderson-y in a it, bad way. Yeah, it was the Wes Anderson-y, like, I'm going to throw on the 60s deep cut, and yeah. But it definitely wasn't ripping off Rushmore. The timeline just doesn't work. I agree. So, you know, yeah. It's, Maybe so. Bottle Rocket? I don't know. But I know what you're saying. You're not wrong, Kenny. It's it's yeah. square no, no, in the middle of, like, yeah, before Wes was really a thing. So That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is just a weird movie that thankfully is only, as we mentioned, like, 94 minutes long um but feels long um yeah which isn't a good thing obviously but yeah i mean i i guess my question kenny is and this this comes to you because this is i want to just pivot back to adrian for a quick second i don't regret week. doing this podcast no no i don't re- no i wasn't suggesting <laughs> that wasn't my question to you uh i was uh coming full circle on this specific episode of the podcast with adrian is adrian a good actor uh, pass. <laughs> eight, I, eight, eight, I no, no, think... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think honestly, I think this is the best that he's been. Yes, in the things I've seen him, yes. I think uh, Entourage called for a little bit of vacancy. Yes, uh, he was meant to be, you know, a little tofuish. I think that when you know we were eight seasons of that show, 
And he was called on to do things that I don't think that Adrian or Vince were really ready to do. Um, and that hurt him. And uh, he had to be, but like he had to be in scenes with some serious actors often. Mm-hmm. And uh, none more so than Jeremy, who, you know, everyone knows his shit, but uh, <laughs> an A and an A plus plus when it comes to acting. He is remarkable to me. Listen, the guy steps up. He stepped up on Entourage, and I don't mean to suggest that he doesn't. And and I and I asked that question. It wasn't a rhetorical question. I don't think Adrian Bernay is a bad actor. Just to be clear, I wasn't. It wasn't. A, I wasn't a leading question. I really do think that uh, he's he's very charming. He's very watchable. Um, I, I think that you know Kenny and I, and and as have you, Matt. We've all been on set, right? And we've all seen people act. Um, and then you watch it on a screen afterwards, and sometimes. They transcend that medium and sometimes they don't. Right. And we forget what it's like to be, how hard it is to be believable on camera. Like that in and of itself yeah. is, a, is a real talent. And, and the other thing that, you know, I don't think people who aren't involved with the industry can appreciate is mm-hmm. uh, how much the production mm-hmm. does or doesn't do for an actor. You know, and, and I, I mean, just anecdotally, anecdotally step up went from, um, YouTube Red to Stars, and the first episode just came out, and I watched the first episode on Stars, and these actors who I thought were doing bad CW on YouTube Red are now doing good premium, and it's not because these actors are any better or worse. It's yeah. just because the entire apparatus now is is first of all, there's more money in it. Our directors are excellent now. And we have people who really know, who really care about lighting the scenes, how to like shooting the scene, shooting the shit out of the scenes, and particularly um, putting money on the screen. And everybody just looks so great uh, in this in this version of the show. So yeah, I, I do think that actors really need to be given. And on top of that, they're doing fifty takes and the director is randomly choosing which one's the best or the editor. So I think actors really need to be given like as much leeway as possible when it comes to each of each individual performance in terms of whether or not they're a good actor or not. And, you know, conversely, I always think acting awards are the strangest, weirdest things in the world. I, I mean, I, it never ceases to amaze me when I'm on set and someone delivers a line of clunky, shitty expositional dialogue that I'm being forced to write by a studio or a network and they make it sing. Um, yeah. And it is, it is a talent uh, that, that I respect the hell out of and thank my lucky stars for a lot of the time. Um, and I think that I was watching this film, just thinking about what you were talking about, Kenny, of like, the transition of going from from film to television, but trying to portray a movie star within a television show, like it's all he's. There's a bunch of weird boxes that need to be checked by by Adrian Grenier's performance in Entourage, and then I, I actually don't think he's terrible in uh, Devil Wears Prada. It's just a pretty thankless role. He's okay, but, but he's, he's cute in it. He's fine. And, and Clark <laughs> Gregg, by the way, is the other person who I'd be like, yes, you know. This like like you you have to remember that the guys and women and people playing, you know, the, you know, cop number six yes. are all excellent actors in the real world. <laughs> they are all as good at acting as your like your your thirteenth man is at basketball, which is so much better than you will ever be. 
you know? <laughs> so, so like, obviously, like that, that's part of what I saw with Clark Gregg, which is like, he's kind of a name, but only because he lucked into this random ass fucking, yep. Yep. you know, yep. Marvel role. But he is a great fucking actor. And he, he was great. great and not a bad writer. Honestly. Yeah. And yeah, also he, not a bad he, writer. He's a writer. I like, he, yeah, he wrote uh, What Lies Beneath. <laughs> what? Yeah, I just rewatched that like a week. Ago. That's yeah. blowing my mind. Yeah. That's blowing uh, my mind. He, well, he co-wrote it, um, and I believe he. I think he also wrote and directed an adaptation of Choke, the um, uh, Chuck the Palahniuk Palahniuk thing. I remember that. Yeah, which uh, but, I don't. Uh, I don't remember loving, but like again, Chuck is a tough person to adapt. But yeah, yeah. but yes, Kenny's not. He's he's absolutely right. I think that Clark Gregg kind of you know weirdly sort of i don't want to say stumbled but like was given this role that that turned into something far more significant as the as the marvel universe expanded to be dead dead. well and to (laughs) your point phil like this this role that he was in in this film could have been a very thankless like one-dimensional play if in the wrong hands and he really made it feel genuinely sympathetic which was pretty he was the bright shining light of the movie despite the fact that it's the adventures of sebastian gold yeah, it's it's I agree with you 100 percent. I think that there are far lesser actors who would have taken a role like this thinking, oh, this will get me, you know, this will get me noticed. Right. And and not approaching it with the level of humility and sort of, um, you know, just just, you know, a, a genuine groundedness. I think there's a lot of actors that would have either played for the cheap seats or mm-hmm. would have been embarrassed to play the role. And you would have felt that embarrassment and none of it is felt with he's, he, you get the impression that Clark Gregg loves Henrietta and wants you to love her too. Um, he would on that too in his review. It was kind of like, he, yeah. he played it like a real person, which is yeah. Yeah. surprise. Yeah. Wow. And you, what, yeah. What you get the concept, sense. But. Yeah. 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 You get the sense that he probably, I mean, again, don't know, but the sense that he actually probably hung out with real people who who experienced this versus um, some other portrayals by cis men of trans women that just feel a little more like this is how a trans woman might act on yeah. a show. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so here we are. Uh, let's rate this, Kenny, shall we? Do you want to go let's first? Let's rate this. Sure. Uh, unlike Matt, I never, had never seen this movie before. So <laughs> I'm like one of the my, five. One of I the can't five. do my 99. I can't do my 99 rating. Yeah. But as you know, Matt, I haven't seen any movies. So uh, <laughs> this uh, is not weird. Uh, this movie, I was I was going to give it like I thought like a like a gentlemanly 40. Yeah. And I'm still like. I'm going to drop it a little bit because I, I think I did kind oh, of convince myself that the that the uh, death of Henrietta is horrible, and it, it, it's horror. It's horrible, and it's like I don't know if that if 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 that. And granted, only twelve people saw this movie, but if that dissuaded one trans woman from having their you know their their mm-hmm. gender affirmation surgery, then yeah, yeah, this is a really bad thing. So I'm going to go down just, again, like, just a little bit. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think its heart is in the right place. I think it was, like, a good effort also, mm-hmm. though, in its own way. I agree. Mm-hmm. Go to, like, a 37. That seems a little mean. I'm going to go to the 39. 39. <laughs> I, I mean, so I guess I like this movie more than you, Kenny, weirdly. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, so I came into this at a 57. Oh, down to a like 52. it more than me. 
Okay. I don't. I don't think the recommendation threshold. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to drop below fifty because there's a part of me that's like, as much as I, you know, as I mentioned, have a real problem with Henrietta's death. I do think that Clark Gregg's performance really is worthy of, you know, recommendation. I don't. I mean, I don't. I as we've said, you know, in the course of this episode, it's not a good movie. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. uh, I've gotten a lot of issues with it, but at its core i do think that that central relationship between sebastian and henrietta is is really sweet um it brings out the both the best in both the actors i feel like the scenes that they have together are the best scenes in the film um and yeah i mean i don't know i yeah i guess i'm at a 52 that's where i'm at that's what about you (laughs) oh man Uh, well as someone who was one of the 15 to see it i yeah yeah, probably 2000 2001 like i said my main takeaway was wow adrian granny is really cool i think probably but i wasn't like obviously i didn't love it enough to remember the core tenant of the film so it was probably like a 60 65 somewhere in there in, in in but Man, watching this, uh, the something we didn't hit on, and we don't need to belabor it, but like there was a lot of 1999 homophobia just tons, really tons. hitting hard. And I know that's just a problem with the era, but man, it just whew, like everyone just felt very personal about this transition. <laughs> like, you know, people that were like friends of friends. And uh, yeah, and so like I think this conversation actually warmed me a little bit because it did remind me that like I think the heart was in the right place. And I think some of the actors that were involved really like took it earnestly and like did their best, but I still, yeah, like probably like a 35. That's my, it's a pretty, pretty I solid. I I'm the only one riding Sebastian's motorcycle. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see it coming uh, either. I, I guess, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, here's the other thing that should be said too. And I'm sure, you know, our listeners and Kenny can attest. I mean, I'm a bit of a sucker for a coming of age movie. Fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, it, it always just kind of, I don't know. I'm always willing to kind of give it's it more a, rope than it's it deserves. A nice movie. I think we've. I, I think we've done it. We've done a bunch of the movies, kind of yeah. in this, you know, milieu. Like yes. uh, Adventure like, uh, comes to mind a little. Like bit. an event. Well, like a new Waterford Girl. Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. You know, yeah, movies yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. in this budget level and yeah. this kind of this kind of vibe. Um, and you tend to like them a little more than me in general. I do. Yeah, I, just yeah, the hair, but know. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there's, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a sucker for just like, I don't know that that sort of that time in your life where firsts feel so significant and everything is just sort of um, seismic, uh, you know. And and I think that filmmakers tend to gravitate towards it because they obviously love to romanticize their upbringings for sure. <laughs> to some degree or another. Right, Matt, um, before but, we, uh, before yeah. we let you leave, mm-hmm. you mentioned that. Eyes Wide Shut's one of your top three of 99. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if yeah, you let's, off let's hear the top of your head and had your other two or if there's oh, any movie that man. you wanted to like highlight. Do you have any others that jump that out? There like. need to be ways. Yes. You know. I mean, it's it's really tough. Eyes Wide Shut is definitely up there. I'm mm-hmm. a huge sucker for Magnolia for sure. Sure. Who isn't? Um, yeah, who isn't? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I could pick a third. Like, there's just so many. The, the, I mean, the conceit of this whole podcast is brilliant because it's just such a. There's so much stuff. Like, I mean, I'm not. This is not credit to you, Phil. I, I appreciate the the 
But no, it's just like, it was a great year for movies. <laughs> year. It's like, not a credit to either of us. Really. Not you guys. I mean, you didn't just, make any movies in 1999. Yeah, yeah. But no, there's just so yeah. many good things. Ah, did, 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 did you? I, I did. I made. I did. I did make a movie in 1999. Did you? It was, I did. Yes, it was. I very made good a movie. short film too. But yeah. It was oh, called. Okay. It was called. Are those um, on YouTube somewhere that we? Can I, I wish they would be because it was really good. Maybe my friend Bill Gerard has it. It was called Two Dumb Aliens Go to the Fair. Oh, that's um, awesome. I love that. It was it was a good movie. Yeah. And uh they um we re- I don't even want to get too into it. Hopefully we'll, we'll just put it up on YouTube one day. But basically you know, two, two the go to the fair. I'll, I'll so say it out for the Patreon members to, Basically like, what happened show. was in the movie was it was about two dumb aliens. They're mm. at Burger King. We shot on a black and white, having a conversation about going to the mm-hmm. fair. They go to the fair, the fair's not there, the fair has has moved. The movie stops. Starts over with the new with the the scroll. We had a scroll before a scroll, a, a crawl, yeah. A sc- yeah, crawl. And then the only difference was it now said two demalions don't go to the fair, uh, and we played the same scene again. <laughs> oh my! And do the same end. It was it. Yeah, it was it. It was I suppose we were we were really proud of that's it. That's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we have a with. Without saying who it is, I'll I'll tell you when we're off mic, Matt. But uh, we have someone coming on who did direct some uh, short films in '99 that I hope maybe we'll be able to get access to, so we can talk about those. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. '99 was a great great year. Um, so any others that jump out at you, Matt? I mean, Magnolia, I mean, probably, two, know, probably, probably two dumb aliens. Yeah, oh, probably two, two dumb aliens. Two Dome Aliens is definitely like, <laughs> yeah, like top tier for sure. Uh, is up there for sure. I mean, and then there's just like, I, you know, I guess it's because, yeah, I mean, 99, I was sophomore in high school. So like so much stuff that's bad. I mean, I, I'm a ride or die for Cruel Intentions, Kenny, like a hundred years. man. Um, but uh, I like, but like so many things that are like now I watch them like this is terrible, but like in the moment was, you know, like the American pies of the world, like sure. all that stuff like just hit very well for me. But yeah. I feel like 99 was the year where I was like, movies are a thing. And it was like the first time I felt sure. the Oscars on an emotional level and you know, like sure. all that stuff. So like, there's just so much good fun stuff. I mean, three, I mean, yeah, no, I'm just going to, I could rattle off like, all yeah. of them. no, for sure. You know, it's, I'm curious, Kenny, as we get to the end of this and before we do our 52 and review at the end, end of all of this, I think I'm going to go back and watch some of the early ones again. Cause I feel like, I mean, five years is a long time and there's a part of me that's sort of like, there are some films that I loved that we did in year one that I'm just sort of like year five and four and five are so fresh in my mind that I kind Things of, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause like there, when like cruel intentions, for instance, is a movie that I'm like, I want to watch that again. I feel like I don't know. I, you know, it was a great episode, but I'm just sort of like, there are some stuff that I want to refresh. There, there are two. I think I'm definitely going to watch again. Do you want to guess what they are? Oh man. Well, one of them I feel like might, have to do with our guest that that I'm I don't know if you know what I'm referring to. Oh, it actually does. Yes. yes. I think that's when I'm yes. probably really I will watch. watch that again, not because of that guest, but because sure. uh because I felt like I was flexing too hard on it for no reason. <laughs> and I will understand I, I, in a sec, Matt, when we tell you after I want to get back to my I want to get back to my roots on that one. Yeah. The other one that I want to watch again. Yeah. Uh because it comes up on this podcast on a almost fucking weekly basis. Yes. Is Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. Uh, That's another I'm, one. It's so good. I'm starting to wonder like mm-hmm. if 
maybe Ripley's like a top 10. Yep. And I don't like, I, I, I really loved it, but we watched it early in the pod. Yeah. I don't feel like I had a lot of things to um, compare it to in that moment. Yeah. And uh, God, people really love that film. So I, I think yeah. I have to watch it. A li- I have to watch it again in like, you know, kind of prime myself or maybe I'm watching a top 10. So, yep. so Jude Law is incredible. And yes. he, I, I worked on a movie when I was in college, uh, was mm. it, um, uh, the Louisiana. Oh God. I can't even remember the name. Uh, Sean Penn. Okay. Oh yeah. So all, all the president's men, all the, all the, all the King's, King's men. men, all, all the King's, King's men. men. Yeah. So I worked for like a week as a PA on the, all the King's okay. men. And I, and I saw briefly James Gandolfini and Jude Law on the same day. It was like the two most day. beautiful men. Jude Law genuinely had a glow, like just what an incredible, like superhuman person. I mean, as it's been said many times online, but like Dickie Greenleaf is one of the most beautiful things that's ever been on. We, we, we were on that one from the start. We knew, we knew that coming into it. It's but but the movie is fantastic. It, it really is. And I, and I also say, too, today somebody just tweeted about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's entrance in that film being one of the best entrances ever. Yeah, he's awesome. it's, 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 it's just, Is that so, the singing? Is that the... Is he that comes the... in, in the, on the red Corvette convertible, I... and he's like, and the women are walking by, and he says, don't you want to fuck every woman you see just once? Like, it's it's just... It, it's it's a real... He's just... He's he's great. Mm. Um, this was amazing, Matt. We're so thankful yeah, that you came awesome, on. Man. This was a blast. Um, as people know... Not, not they to put pressure know. on it, not for pressure on the other people but you know they're supposed they to got a lot to look up to now and we're, and we're, on, like, we minute, we're on like minute 50 i don't know i, know. Yeah, I don't know I don't, i'll say this so this episode for 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 our listeners edification and maybe for yours too matt i don't know if i told you this or not we're, they're all gonna be, all these four mini episodes are gonna be put into one episode so one now one four hour episode <laughs> it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a four hour sorry. episode sorry, yeah. no 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 uh but uh you're the first one out of the gate this was a blast we had so much fun talking to you and 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 we thank you so much for for listening to us yammer on for five years about all sorts of good bad and you know pretty forgettable films <laughs> so there's uh it's been uh it's been an absolute blast so we really do appreciate yeah that. thanks and thanks for taking on the most forgettable of them all <laughs> oh no thank you i wish i had remembered it more before i signed up for it but hey we we got through it we did pick this one we spent 35 of the 50 minutes not talking about the movie and that's probably for the best so that's you. the way it should be yeah but thank you so so much for coming on that Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 face down on a pool table here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today is our friend, uh, friend of the pod, uh, great Twitter presence, and an all-around great guy, uh, Jackson Bourne. So nice to meet you, have you on the pod. Um, you really, You really are very good at Twitter. You are very Thank good you. at Twitter. Thank you. It's nice to meet you guys too. I, yeah, I mean that's where that's where I have fun and where I connect with you know other movie fans and and people who are you know into these niche little things like me. I mean, I I feel like I know you guys already, understandably. <laughs> so now we get to kind of you know level the playing field and you can learn a little bit about me too. So there tell you, me oh, about yourself. Yeah. What do you want us to know? Well, I mean, I you know I I'm one of those people that 
sort of traffics and nostalgia, as you can probably tell on, on my Twitter feed. So that's just one of those things that I connect with other people on. So when, when I discovered your podcast, let's see here in like 2018, it was just right in my wheelhouse. Cause I, you know, I, everything was connecting. I, I love that you guys were completists after all we are doing in too deep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, you know, th- this is not the best Omar Epps movie of 1999. It's not the best LL Cool J movie of 1999. It's not even the best Nia Long movie of 1999. That's true. But all, is it the best Stanley? Is, is it the best Stanley Tucci movie of 99? I don't know. What did I mean, he do in 99? Why am he I did Midsummer's Night? Midsummer Night. So, so no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I, but I do that. think it's better than the other movie we did with the Tooch. Um, I was going to say. Lovely Bones. Lovely Bones. Is... Lovely Bones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's interesting. This is the the, the second uh, L.O. Cool J film we're doing with Deep in the title. Um, True. So, True. So that is, that is, a, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's better in Deep Blue Sea. Would you, would you right. say, Kenny, he's better in Deep Blue Sea? Kenny would definitely say he's better in any given Sunday. That's for that's of course. Me. Yes, he's he's <laughs> he's he's better. Actually, he's amazing in any given Sunday. He is. Um, he's he really is incredible. Yeah. And also, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's much better in, in deep. He's not good in this movie. No, um, he's poorly cast. This movie isn't bad, though. It, this movie isn't bad. I no. so I, I actually think I brought it up to you because you watched it obviously before me, Kenny. And I was like, yeah. how is it? And you were like. It's actually not bad. Like it's not. It's so I, I went into it at least knowing it gets that we the job like, done. It gets the job. Mm-hmm. I think that LO Cool J is miscast because first of all, I think he's he's trying a little too hard. Like I think he wants to show his his yes without question. Right. It's it's like his first big you know stepping outside of being a side character or like a comedic relief. He's he's getting to be the yes. villain and yes. choose some scenery. And I think he took that you know, opportunity of being above the title for the first time, really, you know, as a lead lead sure. and just ran with it and maybe went a little overboard in, in some of the scenes. He's just, I mean, I don't, I don't, for me anyway, he's just too nice a guy. He radiates nice guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I, that's not to say that there isn't depth to that and range to that. Cause I think that in any given Sunday, he's not a quote unquote good guy in that, but he's still sort of charismatic and he kind of does what he does. In this, I just, just quite frankly, just didn't buy him as this type of guy. You know, as we alluded to at the beginning of the episode, there's this sort of, I would say, maybe the most infamous scene or the scene that was kind of the most harrowing is this pool table sequence that wasn't even in the script. That L.O. Cool J was the one who actually brought up as a as a thing to show, you know, how villainous and terrible this character was. And I just, I don't it's know. I'm just terrible. not sure about it. Yeah, it's yeah I I think it was supposed to be like this thing that showed you the lengths that he would go to to really like emphasize his villainy. Cause, a pool table's, is, a pool key's worth. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is his like childhood friend <laughs> that he's, you know, essentially murdering on a pool table with a pool cue. And it's almost set up like the Reservoir Dogs uh, yeah. like cutting the ear off scene, like some shock value just yes. inserted in the middle of this. Yeah, it's it's really just um, it really stands out because of how nasty it is, and it doesn't actually make his. For, for those of you, I'll stuff. go ahead and say yeah, it. Please, please he, go for it. Yeah. He essentially sodomizes a character to death with he a does. pool cue, and then they tell uh, us that he didn't die, but yeah. then he does die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so and it's his just... be- and it's his best friend. It's like his it's yeah. like his kid's godfather yeah. that he does it to. Yeah, 
And yeah. it's like, it, I mean, it, it sucks. It actually is a very yeah. bad moment in the movie because it also Correct. kind of, you know, it, it, it privileges Omar Epps' character, right? So Omar Epps' character in that moment is supposed to, you know, it, that's supposed to be the warning sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the warning shot against his character Omar Epps is essentially Donnie Brasco of this movie, right? He's essentially you know mm-hmm. the cop who's undercover with the mob, but in no way do I believe that LL Cool J is putting Omar is doing this to his best friend yeah. in order to show this other guy yeah. who has you know virtually no you know history in the game outside of what's been made up that this is how serious I am about it. So it does seem like this, knowing what you guys said about how it wasn't in the script and LL Cool J. Yeah. You know, kind of requested to put it in there or pitched it or whatever, it does seem uh it really undercuts the narrative of the film. It it really yeah. does. It, and it's it it's you know, I would say that my biggest issue with this movie might actually be Omar Epps, who I like as an actor, but is kind of flat in this. I like it too. doesn't you know, he just doesn't fully connect in the way that like I know that what he's trying to radiate is obviously part of the concept of this film, like a man who's conflicted, right? A man who's being sort of pulled into two different directions. Um, And he's trying to convey that. And yet for whatever reason, it's just not playing. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Yeah. I I felt like, especially because we've seen Omar Epps do so much better in something like juice where he's having to play opposite of this electrical performance with Tupac and then trying to come back and do the same thing here. And, I know he's going all out. He's really trying to, yeah. uh, you know, play these two, you know, conflicting sides of the character. But the script is really un- underserving him too. Oh, you yeah. know, he doesn't have a lot to work with. I totally agree. Yeah, he, it's it is unfortunate that like it's 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 one of those things that it's just very superficial. Like the film never really right. digs beneath the surface. That's not to say that on the surface it actually doesn't do a good job because it does. I think this was actually like quite competently shot i think this movie looks quite good i think all you know everyone's kind of on the on the bench of supporting actors everyone's kind of bringing their their a game i think you know pam greer and and tucci and like there's you know this this movie's got a pretty deep bench of of really good character actors yeah. um hill uh, harper yeah. who who i thought was really good and yes, never yes. has been kind of right hill harper got caught in thinking like the, the uh procedural world and kind of yes. just never broke out but like did you guys played. catch ingenue ellis no. Yeah. No, she was she was the girl the the junkie that Oh the other uh, oh, really? Cool J for, put the gun in her mouth. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a lot I mean there's also a lot as you can imagine obviously with El Cool J there's a lot of rappers musicians in this film. Nas is in it, Mia's in Nas. it like Nas sorry my No 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 it's Nas it's Nas sorry Nas. Nas. Okay sorry. It's just not Nas. Oh. Uh it, it's you know there's a lot of people in this that are all good you know what i mean like no one is bad necessarily in this film i think it's just the two main leads are just a little miscast so it never fully you know takes flight i don't know if omar epps is i'm I'm not disagreeing with you that he's not exactly great i don't know if he's miscast he's like to me like perfectly cast he just didn't bring his a game and ella cool j i understand why they went there uh, but there are so many guys who would. First of all, I hate the name yeah. God. I think it's silly. But there are so many guys who would have embodied that in a, in a yes. in a way that I bought. There's so many, so many, so many guys who could have pulled that off. Well, it's, and, I I couldn't help but think about like, and this is an unfair comparison. 
but Denzel Washington in training day is sort of the, you know, uh, the, 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 probably the apex of what you can expect from this type of, and I was thinking, and I was thinking Bing Rames and Pulp Fiction. Sure, so it's a, sure, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're killing these guys. And, <laughs> and, and I, we're, we're killing and, LL, but you know, yeah. and I was thinking, I was thinking he was wanting his Nino Brown from New Jack City. Yeah. That also, Cause, too, yes. Cause there was, there was shades of that too. I mean, the thing with LL is like he was, he was coming off of years in sitcoms already. Mm-hmm. He had like Phil saying he had built up this sort of warm, fuzzy, you know, comedic yeah. character and was trying to break outside of that. And, you know, he's trying to do the Frank white thing where he's, you know, serving the community at this Thanksgiving yeah. event. And then in the next scene, he's cutting out a guy's tongue. And it's just, yeah. he, I don't think he has the range for that. He, it, the movie also, I you know it's interesting that you mentioned that the there's a uh, I guess a, a sort of rat character that they cut out his tongue because he's been talking to the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, I I understand that that they alluded to that, and yet I'm not entirely sure it's conveyed in the actual violence that ha- you know what I mean. Like you're just yeah. sort of like what just transpired exactly, and yet obviously they do go for it on that on the the, the pool table sequence. But I do want to give just a little bit of context for people that haven't seen this film. Uh, drug Lord Dwayne Gittins, played by L. Cool J, rules Cincinnati with an iron fist. No wonder he's known as God on the streets. Determined to break Gittins' no stranglehold in the city is undercover cop Jeffrey Cole, played by Omar Epps. Supporting him in the difficult task ahead is his girlfriend, played by Nia Long, and his tough-as-nails commander, played by Stanley Tucci. But as Cole takes on an assumed identity to penetrate Gittin's uh, criminal empire, he makes a disturbing discovery. He kind of likes being a gangster. In Too Deep opened on August 25th, 1999 against the Sixth Sense runaway bride Mickey Blue Eyes and Bowfinger. It would go on to make $14 million on a $7 million budget. This movie, like, made money. Like, I I mean, I, I truly, you know, not a lot invested, but still, they doubled their money. Uh, it's got 39% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, but 75% from audiences, which... Yeah kind of makes sense like this this feels like a movie that like probably did really well on video and has a lot of fans in, in that kind of capacity uh variety said into deep doesn't exactly abound in surprise plot twists even so director michael reimer does a satisfying job of infusing the cliches with edgy persuasiveness usa today said it's the kind of summer movie you can see only if a pal or failure has knocked out your air conditioning um which seems a little bit harsh <laughs> yeah, i, I mean you know Good reason. I get critics not being on board with this movie. This is just sort of not a. I don't know that this movie is aiming for it's, critical because it's wrote right. It really just is. It it, yeah. it and it, it seems like it traffics way more in like Italian mafia cliches than urban gang cliches. Yes. Um, and I that I don't know how well that kind of you know plays. I don't know how well that this movie wears that. You know, I think yes. it's in 2022 you know i think you you would go a little deeper no pun and figure out exactly what's happening with you know cincinnati street gangs and how they're doing it it's it's sure. a very much a you know mob don type situation with um yeah. with ll cool j which doesn't ring very true to me yeah as yeah. i was watching yeah. this i kept i kept thinking i've seen a better version of this movie already and i don't know if you guys will agree with me or not but this was like deep cover for me, sure. like watching deep, like deep cover is a good movie. Yeah. Yes. 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 The, the Lawrence yeah. Fishburne. Uh, yes. Jeff Goldblum yeah. Film. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Which is not, you know, it's not an identical plot. But there's so many themes that overlap with this and the journey that Lawrence Fishburne's characters, it's very similar to this, but he has the ability to make it believable. It just felt like a lot of things in this that should have fleshed out Omar Epps character 
were done better in that movie and not just like the the conflict within him but the relationships it felt like he was supposed to have a more uh connected relationship with stanley tucci to make yeah. that hit yeah. and uh he was supposed to have like a bond with ll cool j like like how fishburn and um Goldblum have in deep cover. Deep cover. Yeah, it's you know it's interesting because Kenny, you alluded to to Donnie Brasco, a great movie. Um, you know, I also couldn't help but think of The Departed, a not as great movie. Um, you know, in terms of just the suspense that's necessary based on the conceit of the film, right? Like you have to buy into the fact that this guy's life is in danger at all times, right? And you have to buy into the complexity of the relationship with L.O. Cool J's character. I mean, when you look at Donnie Brasco and you know what, you know, what Johnny Depp's character is going through in terms of he is he's living life on the razor's edge, even in The Departed, which I don't think does as well because it's so convoluted in in all of its kind of twists and turns and what have you, you're still feeling Leo's, you know, life is in danger. Well, Leo's Leo's the best. And Leo's great. This, you just, and and it's not even on a script level so much as it really is on sort of, it's on a direction level and it's on a performance level and you just don't feel it. Yeah. I I really love Donnie Brasco. It's one of my favorite movies. And, you know, part of the reason uh, Donnie Brasco works so well is because Pacino is so pathetic. So good. Yeah. And the, the only like, like Donnie, it, it makes so much sense why he would bring Donnie into the fold because it's like, you know, it, it's like, um, it's like an old scout trying to bring in the, the, the next, you know, young fireballer mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. trying to, you know, have some relevancy. I don't see that same kind of dynamic here. No. Um, and I, you know, it, it's in, in to that extent, it's, is pretty typical. I have another question for you guys. I think I might have said this to you, Phil, or maybe mm. I texted someone else this. And Jackson, I think you know a lot about movies, my sense is. <laughs> uh, have you guys ever seen a movie that was uh, not? Yes, Phil, you have seen a movie. Phil starts to... Mm, yes, I have. <laughs> have you ever seen a movie that was about uh, not about undercover officers where the, uh, people checked for a wire? Where there's some kind of meeting between two gang yeah. people, two criminal entities, and they check for a wire, and the wire isn't a plot point already. It's a little pet peeve of mine. It's just like oh, every pretty, time, oh, okay, every time the movie's about yeah. someone wearing a wire, yeah, there was like, oh, let's check out, let's see if there's a wire. But like, I've never seen a movie that's not about that. Where like, all right, you know, this is what we do. We always right, check for right, wires, right, 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 of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, know. That's it. Yeah, no, I know. No, it's a good, it's a, it's true. I, I think the wire thing. I think to your point, Kenny, is it's very done tropey. To death. It's done it's to done, death. Yeah, it's done to death. Yeah. It is. I mean, sometimes it can be effective when it's kind of a throwaway thing, if that makes sense. Like I think that the wire scene that I think about is a uh, Viggo Mortensen in uh, uh, Carlito's way mm-hmm. um, when he wears a wire and he's, you know, he's, he's in a wheelchair now and he's just this very sort of sad person. And, you know, and Carlito, you know, discovers the wire. It, it that's more about just sort of the, the pathetic quote unquote pathetic-ness of the situation. But to your point, Kenny, whenever it's like a, plot point or like a thing just it so just never weird. feels real yeah well it's just so weird because it's just like i it's always presented in uncovered movies like cops or like uh criminals are always like thinking like are you going to be wearing a wire is this guy wearing a wire is that guy wearing a wire right right where's right, the wire 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 yeah, yeah. uh but <laughs> a even wear a wire in the wire 
Does anyone the wire? wire? <laughs> yeah, there's there's wire some wire the entire <laughs> movie. I mean, the yeah. entire series. No, I don't think there's a wire. It's too cliche. It's too cliche. It's too. It's hat and a hat. Done. Yeah, I. I mean, I do think that this movie. I mean, it's 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 very much a product of its time. When I hit play on this thing and that credit sequence started, I was like, oh boy, it's just this super grainy post production filter thing they've put on some footage of you know street footage or whatever yeah it's it's a lot and i and i'm not saying and i don't even really think you know coming back to the script this whole cross-cutting between him and the classroom that kind of loops back on itself um where we sort of see him undercover it's fractured narrative shit it doesn't really work it actually is it actually is not propulsive at all and doesn't yeah. really actually no. pull you into no, the film. Though it's interesting. It could have worked. Like it that, could have I, worked. Yeah. No, it, that, it's, it's, it's a structure that I haven't seen and I really liked, like, in theory. Right. Yeah. That, that whole opening scene where it was cutting back and forth, that reminded me, again, I'll bring up Reservoir Dogs again, of the commode story and just something being done better where you're cutting back and forth from the actual experience and then him talking about it in a in a teaching uh, environment, which was... Yeah, I just didn't feel like that I was appropriate. That, I think the reason that it didn't work for me, Kenny um, and and Jackson, is uh, it felt like it was done in post. It didn't feel like it was done in script. Sure. It felt like they were like, is there some more interesting way that we can get into this movie? And they're like, yeah, uh, we'll just kind of fuck around with the timeline a little bit. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't it just doesn't work. I think, his, then, I think, yeah. I think his wig was done in post, too. <laughs> yeah, that I was wondering if you guys were going to say something about the wigs because he has like two different wigs and they're bad so wigs. distracting. Bad they're wigs. So distracting. Bad, bad wigs. Yeah, n- not great. I-, I felt bad for Nia Long as well. A great yeah. actor. And she's so good. Nothing to do in this movie. Yeah, it's she really a is a nothing great burger actor. of a role. There's like, also there's... a line that I just laughed at where it's near the end and he's sort of, uh, Omar Epps is sort of following her uh, after. I don't know. He sees her with some other guy, and then she says, "I've been modeling all day. I'm tired." <laughs> just like no one says that. No one actually says, "I've been modeling all day." Like it's, it's just like, that's that's an insane way to put it. Um, she's really given just the short shrift in terms of the character. But, you know. Yeah, and the, the whole relationship felt sort of like a separate throwaway subplot. Like they don't really invest any time in her finding out what he does. Yeah. You just see yeah. her looking at these pictures on the wall and then she's like, oh, they're going to pull you back in, aren't they? And it just felt like, how did yeah. we get here? She really, I'm yeah. looking at her Wikipedia. She really works. She's really kicked yes. around a lot, yes. but uh, but nothing is really, they, they never really figured it out. They just, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It, it's because she is a good actor. Like I, I do Great feel actor. like, uh, I would argue that the scene she has with Omar I'm buying her way more than I'm buying him, even if they're not giving her much to do. It, it's it's just, yeah. She it, got caught up playing wives and girlfriends really early. She, right. And then got kind of lost in this big mama's house. Are we there yet world? Uh, right when yeah. she should have been right when she should have been, you know, blasting off because I mean, she was really, really great at Boiler Room. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. really good in that movie. And, you know, I mean, not to objectify. So sure. pretty, and no one looks right. like oh, her. St- uh, stunning, stunning, like just so pretty. So I don't know. She's great she, in, she uh, a in uh, star. the best man. Uh, you know, a yeah. movie that we did quite yeah. a while ago. But yeah. like, that's one of those movies, and we talked about this a little bit when we did the episode. Lord knows when. I think it was like three or four years ago now. But um, that cast is stacked, 
everyone should have blown up off that movie and a lot of people did and that movie is a lot smarter and a lot more nuanced it's got a lot of stuff going on in it and there should have been more movies built in the best man mold that didn't and it's yeah, the, the 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 male the male cast really all kind of blew up but the female cast not yeah. quite as much yeah, yeah, no, for yeah, sure. and I felt like she stood out quite a bit in the Best Man as like a, a highlight yes. performance. I totally agree. I, you know, I, I think that again, you know, sort of talking about the the um, the supporting roles, but like Jake Weber is good in this. David Patrick Kelly is good in this. Like, you know, all of the the supporting characters are showing up. Those actors are showing up, uh, which I appreciated because I think that. And, and it should be said, too, on the casting side of things, you could have cast all those roles with basically anonymous supporting actors, and it could have just been a completely forgettable movie. And I do think that that whole bench of people elevates this thing to being something, you know, more substantive, surprisingly more substantive. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to ask you, Jackson, just in terms of 1999 in general. Um, you know, what are some of your favorite films of night before we rate this and, and what have you, but what are some of your uh, 99 favorites that uh, I mean, not just yeah. the episodes we did of them, but the movies themselves. Yeah. So, so I was 15 in 1999. Sure. So I was, I was pretty much obsessed with, you know, like the matrix, sure. Phantom Menace. I mean, that's one yeah, I, sure, I, I've right had now. a compl- a complicated sure. relationship over the years. Um, Fight club. Sure, um sure. Yeah, so I mean, those those were some of my. I actually came kind of prepared with my okay. top five films. Let's oh, give it! Come on, bring Come it! Come on! So, yeah. so the Matrix was my number one. Sure. That was one that um, one of the first experiences I remember going in blind on a movie and just being blown away. Obviously, yeah. um, the Iron Giant. What can I say? It's like one of those movies from that year that now I share with my kids, and it's one of their favorite movies. How old are your uh, kids? They are six and eight. Nice. Yeah. Did, so, you, did you watch the Iron Giant with your kids, Kenny? I can't remember when we did the episode. Yeah, they weren't into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling; I just wasn't sure. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think my kids have graduated to uh, Kenny's son's uh, tastes yet. My, well, yeah, Rollins, I mean, Rollins, Rollins is, is out of his mind. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's a high bar. I mean, to meet we, Rollins, you yeah, gotta, we you watched gotta, gotta uh, we, we watched Poltergeist, Poltergeist last night, and Great he's movie. like, yeah, he, he's like. I'm like, you like it as a cat? Not scary. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a great movie. I'd never seen it before. I watched it uh, with Catherine yeah. recently. I'd never seen it. You movie. just watched it? Like over Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've wow. never seen it. I've never seen it either. It's a uh, Yeah. That first half is great. It's a little too silly for me in the, the second half. Well, like, it, it gets, vi- I mean, I, I just. It's not I what I'm I looking the- for exactly. But I, I mean, I love, I love how, I love how. Spielbergian it is. I love how Amblinity it is, sure. but it gets silly. And like, I guess I just want, I don't know. You know me. I just want to be, it, I want to piss my pants. I know. I, I hear you. It's not scary. Um, But I was, I watched it. There were a couple things that hit me about it, not to make this about Poltergeist, but very briefly, I'll just say that I really uh loved how tactile it was. I loved all the fucking special effects. Like the special great, effects yeah. were fucking dope. Um, And I was also just really kind of surprised uh, kind of where it went to a certain degree in terms of like the the marriage and in terms of the relationships within it. Um, and then I also tried to put on my like 1982 hat a little bit. It was 82, I think. Yep, it was 82. Um, and just being like, in 82, this thing must have fucking ripped. You know what I mean? You know, like, it is really, <laughs> it is really good. Like truly, like there's a lot of stuff in there that like, you know, I was kind of surprised and, and trying to kind of explain to Rollins in the moment why, you know, yeah. why it's not, 
why we shouldn't hate these characters for smoking pot in bed. But um, that's freaking awesome, right? Like, I love that the parents amazing. are smoking pot. It's wild. It's a great movie. It's, it's a great movie. Book about Reagan. I, I, I saw like, it. This a, is great. <laughs> I saw it a couple of years ago at a rep screening, and it was so cool to see how so many of those moments that I'd grown up seeing just on TV and to myself we're still hit with an audience and you'd get those reactions and the laughs and the, just the, the jumps and everything. The first time I saw a poltergeist was the worst conditions because someone turned it on in the background at like a high school party when I was in high school yeah. and oh, it was like, yeah. like playing in the background. I'm like, I've never seen this. I want to watch this, but this is ridiculous. This but, is too, yeah. this is not for, a background what, movie Yeah, for whatever reason. And I, I don't, cause I had never seen it all the way through, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, like when I used to go to Hebrew school, they didn't start Hebrew school until the elementary school kids got out. And the elementary school kids got out 45 minutes after the middle school kids. Okay. So we – and the middle school was walking to the to the temple. So we would walk to the temple and we'd be there with about you know half an hour, 45 minutes or so, about 45 minutes of just sitting there and doing nothing. They'd always put on a movie. And for whatever reason, they always put on Poltergeist. <laughs> so I've seen the first 45 sure. minutes like a lot. And I sure. didn't even realize – that Carol Ann, uh, like, kind of disappeared through the second half of the movie. She really does. I, um, I also think, like, the reveal that it's built on a cemetery grown, yeah. is one of those things that, like, again, in 82 must have been fucking awesome. In yeah. 2022, you're sort of like, I think I know where this is going. Uh, I don't know. I just, yeah. It's, it's one of those movies that, like, uh, I was happy I finally saw it. I really dug it. But Back to your list. What was your number two? You talked okay, about so, the Matrix, and then so yeah, the the Matrix was Iron one. Giant was two. Iron Giant yeah, was two. Giant was My two. third one was Phantom Menace. I know you. I know how you guys feel about that wow, one. Okay. Well, I don't For think me, we hated it. But... it well. At this point, I mean, nostalgia is doing a lot of the heavy lifting on that one for me. Sure, but but also, um, I think in retrospect of what we've seen in the you know twenty three years since. Yeah. It's one of those things that I go back and watch it now, and I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems here, but there's a lot of things that I like that they don't do anymore in the Star Wars universe, and it feels sure. like that weird sort of George Lucas universe in a way that mm. the new films didn't all feel like to me. I like, yeah. I love the the you know the Last okay. Jedi, and you know some of the some of the other choices in the in the Force Awakens, but yeah. Anyway, that no, that's... I, I hear that we you know. We did that pretty early, all things considered. It's kind of amazing that I we, think did year that one. we did that. Yeah. Yeah. Year one. Um, but I do think that like uh I totally hear you, Jackson, that the Star Wars franchise has has uh although Andor, for the record, if you're not watching Andor, really, really good. I'm not yes. caught up, but it's very good. Um but but to your point, and I think we talked about this in our episodes, Kenny, that like we were Looking at it through the lens of what I assume was like 2018, we probably did it, something like that, of being able to kind of look at it that way. Um, it was post Force Awakens, right? but it was definitely pre last, uh, pre last Jedi, but post Force Awakens. Yeah. And I think that it, it, that those prequels have gotten better with time. I agree with you that they, they've yeah. aged surprisingly well. But what's your, what's your, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, the Limey. That was nice. one that, you know, that was, I think that might have been the first Soderbergh that I saw in the theater and mm-hmm. it just kind of was yeah. history from there for me. Great. So great. Um, and it's uh, aged like really well. In my really opinion. well. I agree with you. Um, and then my last one is Fight Club. And I think I'm, even though it's in there in my list, I'm still con- kind of conflicted in some of the same ways I think you guys were. 
Um, stylistically, it just pops for me in the Fincher uh, universe. But yeah, there's things in there that I was like watching it 20 years later. I can see how, you know, there there's think, yeah. problems, but. I think we I think we're through, right, Phil? Don't you I think, think we're we through? Too. I think yeah. we're on the other side now, and we and we like say. it again. Yeah, like yeah. I do, I do. I think like I think we both had the same experience where we were very nervous about doing this. Certainly felt like yeah, this this is not culturally, you know, kind of something we want to stay behind. And watching it, you know, like frankly, having like the the backing of Karen Kusama helped massively. Yeah, but um, we there were really a couple I, years yeah. there. There were a couple years yeah. there where. If you oh, were, really if you were uh, uh, a fan of Fight Club for the right reasons, you had to be a little bit quieter. Yep. I, you know, it's funny. I, and I think I mentioned this on our episode, Kenny, when we, uh, when we had Karn on, but I, uh, I have a Fight Club poster, a print of, of a, of a amazing uh, print that someone did of it. And I took it down. Like I, I, I kind of was just like, I can't be the guy that has the Fight Club poster up on his wall, and and I and you know you don't want to have to you don't want to have to have someone come into the apartment and be like, hold on, this is here for the right reason. Yeah, you got to explain. You know, like, 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 yeah. Phil, like explain yourself. Like, yeah. listen to me. I understand that yeah. this has been co-opted by men's right activists. That's not me. <laughs> Subtext of this movie is feminist. Sure, but it's even. Not, I would even you know, take people would hate you even more. Well, there's even right. like if you take a step back from the men's rights component of it too, like it's it's also just really broy, right? Like there's this kind of mm-hmm. like even if you're not like a fucking yes. red it's about asshole, it's about boys fighting, right? Like it's yeah. just yeah. so I just was like I got I got to take this thing down, man. I love this I movie, but like I just can't be that guy. But yeah. but I hear it's you. Like, it's it's like why I have kind of a hard, even though like I think Warrior is like kind of unimpeachably mm-hmm. unimpeachably a great film. Like I'm not gonna tell a lot of people that. Because like, <laughs> no, ultimately, it is like about boys fighting. So exactly. you know, yeah, right. I don't want to stand behind it that hard. Do you no. have any others you wanted yeah. to, to shout out before we uh, rate this and wrap this up? I mean, I do. Well, I also brought my top five uh, episodes of podcasts. Oh, like it's ninety nine. Um, right. You're the first person to do that. Let's hear yeah. this. Because because oh, I was right. like, someone's going to come into this episode at the end of this journey, and and if they haven't taken the whole journey, I wanted to give them some deep cuts. The big oh, we appreciate this. this never been so excited. Yeah, seriously, I'm like, let's hear it. <laughs> well, for, first of all, uh, mm-hmm. you, you have Mike Natale to blame for this because he's, you know, no. he's one of the people that I'm the most, aside from you two, that I'm the most happy that I've gotten to connect with because of this podcast. And he's like, you know, just just do your thing, do your research, whatever. I love so, that guy. I really, God really bless do. Him. Yep. Yeah. So, so I'll start from the from five. So five was Universal Soldier two. With Tom Lorenzo, Love another Love awesome guy I've gotten to connect with on, on Twitter because He's of this whole thing. Um, uh, you know, a, not a great film and not, no, the, no, not and not even good. like not even the best sequel. Like I went back. I don't know if you guys did the whole gamut of the Universal. We didn't, but. But he's yeah. very, but Tom speaks very really see, of the new He's ones. not the only one. Like it yeah, really yeah. seems like that. I think Griffin just mentioned how great the. Uh, well, I think it's three and four. The high. Yeah, the, the I think the the most recent one was the one that I watched where where uh, Van Dam kind of takes a heel move and and becomes like a villain and it's very Amazing. yeah it's very weird and existential Amazing. yeah so yeah you can re- love that one mm-hmm. the ninety nine soundtracks with Jan oh, was ooh, awesome funny. I love that episode because I love that you guys got to get into some of those Go is one of my top five soundtracks of all time love it yeah so, love it who doesn't yeah. 
Who doesn't yeah. love the Go soundtrack? Listen I mean, to that so many times in my life. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of those things that I was listening to nonstop that year. When I think back to '99, the Go soundtrack, the uh, Fatboy Slim album, and then the Rage sure. album sure. were were all on yeah. constant repeat. This I don't. Also, did you guys notice this was the only soundtrack of the three films that LL Cool J had that year that he didn't have a song on? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, he, I mean, his, his his head is like a shark's fin. Right, right. <laughs> I don't I don't know why they didn't get him on in too deep. But know, two of the my my hand is like a pool cue. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, uh, so, uh, okay. but uh, but on that on that the soundtrack, I don't know if. Mm. Are you Kenny? Are you you're more of a hip hop fan, right? Uh, just in general, or more than Phil? Well, more than Phil, because I know Phil. More than that's, Phil, that's I would say. Bar, in general, in in general, no. But you know, because I've worked on, I've worked on so many hip hop adjacent shows. Yeah. So Quiet Storm, Quiet Storm, probably one of the biggest songs of Mob Deep's career. This was the first appearance was on the soundtrack. I didn't. Okay. That's the song that no. was playing during the opening credits, Phil. During those okay. Okay. horrible horrible opening credits yeah not great not great <laughs> and then and then the last little nugget i wanted to add it, that mm. i had forgotten about was that this this soundtrack is the first actual uh appearance of 50 cent on a song oh. wow that, that on a, on like an album a cd oh, wow. something that's officially put out was this song called how to rob uh that i remember hearing ba- way back in the day but i didn't realize it was from this soundtrack so this was all pre oh, cool. dr dre and eminem okay um, so okay, so that was uh, Universal Soldier Two, the soundtracks. Mm-hmm. My number three, of course, is Pokemon with with our beloved Mike. Um, <laughs> that I, that that is an incredible episode. It's an incredible episode. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what we. That's that was really the the, the birth of a star right there. That, my, it really my, was a moment. Was like this guy's going deep, yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah, he, well, my only regret, great, my yeah. only regret in the whole series is that he didn't get to you in time for Wild Wild West. Oh God! I don't know that I would have been able to do it. I don't, I don't know regret that. I, would have been that. Able to I don't regret that. that. It's not is, a regret of mine. Bit, I, it's not a regret of mine either. Because yeah. that, I think that that bit would have gotten thin. I don't know. I could have done an entire episode. It's already. It's already driven Phil completely mad. I can't deal with it. <laughs> He's lost. It drives me <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah. I drove Barry Sonnenfeld crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, anyway, oh, yes. yeah. So yeah, Pokemon. Simon yeah. says is number two. Oh Ooh. wow! And this Wait, did one... we have someone on for that? Yeah, we it, did. Was it, was it Teddy? 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 Yeah. And yeah. The Simon fact that you one. guys go through like a mid podcast reclamation <laughs> of like, is this actually good? <laughs> we really do turn around on it. <laughs> yeah, because no, it, it, it is actually good. Kenny's <laughs> like, like, I think I like the Rodman movie. It was. It really was because we came into it just being like, let's let's kick the shit out of this thing, and then halfway through, it we start to be like, is this movie fun? Well, I think yeah. the I think the villain is amazing. <sighs> I mean, truly yes. amazing. What he what he I like. I don't remember much, but I remember like from life. You no, know, I have no memories. No yeah. ability to make memories. But yeah, I, I remember, remember that guy either. killing it. I, and also I, the fat sidekick who was oh, in God. the uh, the druid gear or the monk gear, like they would. That but movie's the fucking good. car going off the cliff, and then the 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 parachute attaching, and the effects, and Dane Cook's performance in that moment. It oh knows my God, what it is. Cook. It's a movie that seems far to know from what it our is. worst movie. But far. it really is. <laughs> oh man, yeah. What's, then, what's, what's your, number what's one? Number Can't one? wait to my hear. Number one is End of Days. 
End of Days. End just of a days. great flick. <laughs> I, end I, of Days is a great episode. Just you and I talking End of Days. And the fact that I like, I went in expecting you guys to hate it. Yeah. And then there's like this, maybe, yeah, End of Days. The I'm, I'm kind of a Peter Himes guy anyway. So I always, mm-hmm. you know, I went in knowing uh, that the movie wasn't phenomenal. Mm. And that it was it was almost maybe the wrong the wrong movie for Arnold. I don't know, but yes, I, but it was I think just we would it all was. Kind of I think that was the, the movie that was just sold on the the log line of Arnold versus the Devil, and so anyway, yeah, that was I, you know, end of days, Kenny. We we both came into. I believe we were texting perhaps while we were watching that, if I'm not mistaken, and us both being like, this movie slaps. Like this movie is actually really yeah, good. It was it was definitely <laughs> that. It was definitely like. Yeah, this. I mean, this movie slaps. I think. I mean, that's not something we often say, but uh, hey, look, I love an Arnold action movie, and I I think that movie really is really a lot of fun. And and we've done, you know, I I I find the devil to be so tedious, Um, (laughs) and most devil movies, and we've done like seven. uh, A lot of devil movies in '99. We really did. Get I mean, out of it's me like, in general, but this one really plays. Ninth Gate, Stigmata, and End of Days are the three biggies. Yeah. Ninth Gate, Stigmata, yeah, but also like Omega Code feels devilish. Oh my god, of course. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. I feel like there are more. But the devil is as a trope. To your point, Kenny, so fucking tedious. Like, who cares? Like, the devil is not like this is crazy. But uh, it's a great, it's a great movie. Uh, it's a really thank you for episode. doing that, Jackson. That was great. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, hey, so De- hey Phil, Phil, Devil in yeah. Sleepy Hollow. Kind uh, of. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean it's hell. There's a yeah. hellish component. Oh, yeah. Ride yeah. with the devil. Ride with. He, he's not yeah. really in it though. He doesn't really have much to say. <laughs> in I know. I don't know why he's. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking. I'm looking at. I, I put in Devil, devil movies, movies 1999. 99. Yeah. Yeah, we've I, we've done some great flicks. We've done, yeah. It, it's I I honestly remember. Us till dawn too. Well, th- yeah, more vampire, yeah, more vampires, vampires than devil. That's pretty devilish. The I, rage, Harry. Oh yeah, all right. Go ahead. That's our devil. That's a, yeah. I do remember because I think End of Days was twenty nineteen. I want to say maybe Halloween twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was because I remember we were like we always tried to kind of put a Halloween movie in that slot. And I think that we were both like, I remember just being like end of days, like just kind of being like, sure. Like, I don't think either of us when, when any expectations on that movie and it just, yeah, it was a, it's one of my favorite episodes too. It was a great time. We really did that. Just me and you, huh? Yeah. It was just you and I. Um, okay. So rating this film, I didn't see this film in 99. This was the first time that I saw this movie. Kenny, I think same for you, perhaps. Um, Yeah, uh, Jackson, you mentioned you had seen it in the proximity of 1999. Yeah, I saw it like the summer, like the next year in like 2000. There was like this sure. thing. I don't know if you guys remember when Blockbuster back in the day, they'd have like a thing where you'd pay like 30 bucks and you could rent as many movies as you oh, want. Wow. And it was like during the summer. And I remember this was one of those movies where I was just kind of like going through. And I was like, what is this? I was like, All right. I, you know, and I remember like it. it didn't really hit for me then and. You know, revisiting yeah. it, I was just like, I've seen so many better versions of this, but I yeah. so I had not seen it. I came into this podcast, I came in at a 59, and I'm I'm kind of yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of sticking there. I'm I'm gonna go down a little bit, like I'm gonna go down to like a 55. I still think that this movie, like 
you know, you know our rules when it, or at least the way that we approach the sort of 50%, uh, you know, line. I think this movie is better than 50%. It's barely there, but I'm, I'm kind of, that's where I'm at on it. But what about you, Kenny? I gave it a 47 before. I guess I feel the, you know, exact just the, yeah. well, just the, the little flip, right? Sure. The photo sure, negative. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 50, I will, I'm going to go down. Like actually talking about it made me feel like no, there's really not much here. Like this is a this is like a okay. 41. This is like your mm-hmm. a classic low 40s to me. That's fair. I hear that. What about you, Jackson? Where are you at? I think I think back in 2099 era, I would have given it something like a 40. Mm-hmm. Um, before the podcast, I think I came up a little bit because there were some things I noticed. I've seen a lot more movies since then. I can, you know, can appreciate some things better. So I came up to like a 46. And I think after the after the conversation and hearing your guys' takes, I think I think I come back down to like a 40. So I think I'm just <laughs> it's a real roller coaster. It feels that's right. Where yeah. this, that's I mean, where this yeah. has to live. Yeah. yeah, it's it is. I got to be honest, when we were when we sort of you know made our master list and, and this movie was on there, I was almost convinced this was a straight to video movie. I didn't know that this movie actually got like a theatrical release. This movie made money. This movie did pretty well. Yeah. Like, so but, you know, yeah, there are some there are some movies that, you know, we're not going to get to because we're just going to pretend they're straight to video releases, <laughs> releases. But no, this, mean, yeah. yeah, this 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 I so when we, Kenny and I did an episode on. Oh, my God. What's the name of the movie? Light it up. Light it up, which I've I've conflated these two movies together in my brain basically the entire time, which is unfair. Well, yeah, well, they're both you know black led movies. Yeah. They both have three word titles. They both yeah. you know feel like they're they're you know heavily like blue and yellow lit. They're, I um, think so they're the both are vague. Are of. they both dimension films? Probably is light it up dimension. I want to say yes. Okay, I think light it up is kind of good. I'm gonna. Get, I, I I do. Light I think light it up. This. I think light it up is kind of good. Like it's yeah. weird. It's kind of it, like it. It's kind of morally and ethically weird, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's kind of fun. Um, light it up. Almost funny. in a. Almost in a. Um, it's not as good as this movie, but almost in a faculty kind of way. Yeah. Well, they both have Usher. Yeah. They both. both have, that's why. That's why. Yeah, are we guys? Are we gonna are we gonna do a lighted up podcast? Right now? I mean, we kind of are doing it right now. This is our lighted up episode as well, guys. So okay. uh, we did the whole thing. We did that's, the whole thing. That, yeah, I'm upset. Yeah. I'm upset that, that I'm, that's gone, the one but... I'm bummed we lost. Winslow Boy less so. But yeah, I'm a little Wins- bummed Winslow. All right, so movie. Winslow Boy. You know what, Phil? Do you have your ratings in there? John could just throw it yes. in there. Yeah, I, uh, I remember look, so little about lighted up because I, I think I may have seen it also like on TV or something afterwards. But it was it was the school. The school's like on lockdown or something. Yes, yes. There's like a shooting, right? All right. Oh. So light it up. I I'm gave a 47 before, really? uh, and I might have gotten a little higher. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Let's see if I can find mine real quick. Winslow. Winslow. Winslow boy, I gave a... F- I don't know how I can give this better than a 45. What's wrong with me? Wait, I gave it a 45. Like no, 47 for Light It Up, 45 for, for Winslow. But I, I'm pretty sure that I went down over the course of our podcast because that movie blows. <laughs> Hold on. I'm pulling up my uh, my Winslow boy uh, Light It Up episode. I, I Yeah, Light It Up, I remember just being um, just quite frankly, just more into it. I just thought like I liked the yeah. characters. I liked the, the kids. Yeah. Where the fuck is this thing? Um. Oh my god! I really, th- I think I, I don't know how. Why did I give it a forty-five? I hated that movie. You really, really hate it. There, here we go. Light it up. It's a okay. fucking. It's it's a it's a movie about a trial where they don't even show you the fucking verdict. Yeah, it's all off screen. Uh, light it up. I had. I started at a sixty-five. I went down to a fifty-eight. All right. Um, and then for Winslow Boy, I had to have gone up. I had to have. Uh, Winslow Boy. I started at a forty. Ended at a thirty. Uh, Winslow Boy sucks. Uh, don't watch the Winslow Boy. Uh, also, yeah, David Mamet kind of sucks now too. So <laughs> you don't want it's a Mamet movie, but like, yeah, it's it's, it's like sucks. it's like one of the four Jeremy Northam movies of the year that we had to do, and just uh, you know, just yeah. remembering <laughs> why this guy has no career. But it was lighted up. I think honestly, you know, we talked Breakfast Club, we talked like Faculty, like it, yeah. it does kind of exist in that space. It's a little too earnest for its own good, but it's, you know, it's 90s kind of whatever. But it's it's a solid cast. I mean, you know, um, why is it before like Columbine? Resort? Did it come out before Columbine? Well, it was uh, certainly made before gosh. Columbine. It was certainly made. It came out after yeah. it came out. I wonder if I got buried. That's quite possible. It also is a weird. I mean, I one one thing I said on my thing was it's upsetting after George Floyd. So we must have done this right around that happened. Yes, we did. And there is a lot of like, I think there is some like pl- police brutality there is. um so it's, and, it's a and, weird and just you know treating kids in shitty ways which isn't great i mean what's interesting for what it's worth on the lighted up front uh 39 on rotten tomatoes from critics 75 from audiences very similar to into deep yep. right where like i and i i don't want to you know make this racial but like i do think that critics back in 99 they're seeing these films that they, you know, that, that are tagged as urban or whatever, and they're just sort of not giving them the credit that they deserve. That's not to say that In Too Deep deserves a better rating necessarily. We just talked about that. But I do think that Light It Up is a, is a much better movie than they gave uh, credit to at the time. But it's, it is interesting. Like, I, I do think that, like, these films, you know, are both speaking to, unfortunately, kind of tropey perspectives of black culture to some degree or another. And that's unfortunate. Uh, I think Light It Up does a better job of dealing with that. The funny thing I was looking at in in my research was Omar Epps in, a, in an interview for this. He talks about how this movie was in development for like three or four years and he was always attached to it. So I'm wondering if that was like he was attached to it coming off of like higher learning and then the the writers, sure. Paul Aaron and Michael Henry Brown, he had been, you know, working with them on it. But but, uh, yeah. you know, the fact that this director, Michael Reimer, came on, I'm not I'm wondering if he was the right person to bring the script to, to the screen or if the script just never would have yeah. been better with someone else. Do you guys think someone like Ernest Dickerson or he somebody would have do done it. a better? Yeah, yeah actually. Yeah, he was attached originally. He, he might have done a better job. I mean, I, I think that it's 
you know, I, I think it's indicative of just a lot of things that are kind of working against this movie, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. And, I, you know, the Omar Epstein that you just said, Jackson, is interesting, too. You know, we've seen this before, Kenny, in all the films that we've done over the past five years, where, like, these passion projects from actors that they attach themselves to a thing that they really love and they they, they bring their own stuff to it. And that can break either way. You know what I mean? That can, you can get too in your head about it. Um, you can you can sort of, and I do wonder whether or not Omar Epps, maybe this this project, this script, uh, you know, he just for whatever reason just kind of lost something in the translation from his from his passions and his brain to the actual uh, performance itself. It's just interesting, but more than anything, Jackson, this has been an absolute pleasure to to finally yes, meet you, likewise. to finally put a face to the tweets. Thank you. Uh, to Thank be you. able to, to you know, your support of our podcast over the past five years, just it means the world to us. So we really do. Yeah, I appreciate all you guys have done. I'm honored that I was able to come on, even though this was not the best film of 99. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored because you could have gotten someone that was more qualified. You could have gotten Guillermo Diaz, who you've already had on. It's true. It's actually he true. Was in the movie. He was in the movie. Yeah. And when he popped up on screen, I was like, Oh, he's in this he's, he's in like one scene and my god yeah. he's so rail thin in yeah. this like it's pretty crazy so. but yeah it, it we listen there was there was never any question you know when kenny brought up the idea of us doing a fan episode um there was never any question that you were on the list um we're thrilled that you were able to you know that you you know that you were able to talk about this film that you saw this film around then um but honestly like you know kenny and i've talked about this for 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 years now but truly like the fact that anyone gives a shit about our podcast <laughs> really is a miracle. Um, and we, we just love people that, that, that really care, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. So, yeah. You know. Thank you, Jackson. Absolutely. For your, just, thank you. Your support. Your, your, and now your friendship. Thank and, you. And all of Likewise. it. And, and it's, it's, yes. uh, it's just, it's, it's really something special. So thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us now. And, and we look forward to continuing to chat. If it's not through Twitter, whatever rises from the ashes of Twitter, yep. it'll See be on Mastodon. Likewise. See Likewise. on Mastodon. <laughs> thank you so Take much. Care. We'll yeah. talk to you soon. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Hello and welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from, is it a rave? Here in 2022, I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Felisco. And with us today is the creator of the podcast Like It's 1999, Wiki, the most important person in America to me and Phil, John (laughs) Barnhill. John, thank you so much for coming on, for being a fan, for doing this for us. It is like, it is the nicest thing anyone's ever done to me, done for me. And I have four children, as you know, um, <laughs> there are so, I don't think anybody in America knows more about me than you do, John. <laughs> I will say it got a little creepy when I was trying to research your wife and I, I had to reach a point where I said, I'm not going to go any further. I'm just going to drop this. That so. is incredible. That she she was on the podcast once, so she has she her was. own page, and uh, you know she she has a footprint on the internet, she does. digital footprint. It's a great episode. I mean, she was, was great. fun. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it, it's when, when we discovered the wiki, um, it, it was sort of 
Uh, we didn't discover it. I mean, John tweeted it, 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 tweeted it at us, right? But yeah, I mean, but yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, very nonchalantly, it, very much like so. Guys, started with yeah, you yeah, know, no here deal. it is. Here you Take go. a look at it. You know, literally Take every episode, we're just like this is unbelievable. This, this this goes deeper than we could ever possibly imagined. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I it started out just for myself. Like I I was keeping a spreadsheet just of the scores just for myself, and I was like, maybe other people will be interested in this and. You know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, especially like Blank Check and Doughboys, sure. they both sure. have very extensive wikis. And I was like, nobody else is doing this. I guess, I guess this falls on me. So I had to <laughs> get up and figure it out and learn how to do it. So yeah, that's I mean, so it, cool. It's, it's wonderful. Um, you know, anyone who's a, a listener of our podcast should absolutely check it out. It It, it is, it is an amazing. You can get lost thing. in there. You can, you can get, lost get lost and. It's and in, in, when you started adding because this is the one that I really blew really blew my mind with Phil when you started adding the movies mentioned yeah that and of course like I mean as as a you know a bit of a narcissist I'll just go back and read the quotes and be like God damn it you are so funny and clever and smart Kenny <laughs> amazing, Kenny. amazing. <laughs> look well, at I you mean- Kenny. Yeah, and, and I I did that mostly for myself, just so I could go back and and remember. You know, the score is one thing, but the quotes really kind of give you a sense of what you guys thought of it. Really, like if you look at talented Mr. Ripley, like you guys gave that a relatively low score, but I think the quotes kind of indicate you felt that was higher up, and so it was just kind of for myself, like looking back uh, to kind of reorient. And then you know, I made a huge mistake adding the movies and TV mentioned, because now I have to go back and listen to hundreds of hours of episodes massive again to mistake. bring that up. That's I don't know why you did that. We, we, it's so funny because as the podcast is coming to a close, mm-hmm. Ripley's coming up almost every episode and we, yeah, you're right. You're right in that. I, I, I clearly, if the, if that episode had dropped two, three, four years later, we would have had higher scores. We didn't know really what we were doing with the scores then, but we are, our, our memories of that movie is, is far, far fonder than I think that score would indicate. Just yeah, like you it, said, it is interesting. I mean, that movie in particular, uh, to your point, Kenny has come up a bunch as we've been wrapping up and, 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 you know, as we've been doing this for a while there, that's probably the one of like maybe one or two, maybe three movies that we did early on that I feel we sort of, um, we were still figuring that out the show. You know what I mean? We we're still figuring out how we felt about these movies. And I think that that movie weirdly has sort of this, you know, again, we were when we started in 2017, I think that that movie was sort of like, yeah, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. But like, is it a top tier 99, 99. movie? Yeah. And, and and in the subsequent five years, I think it's proven to be. Yes. But. And it would have been a good movie to do to have a guest on. I mean, that's the only it's just that's a guesty movie. Yeah. John, yeah. before we go on. Yes. Whatever you feel like sharing. Share. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, do you I guess my question for you, John, is more like how did how did we come into your radar a little bit? And what is it about movie podcasts that you love so much? Um. Well, I, I think you guys, I was trying to think of this. I think I came, became aware of you through Griffin sure. Newman uh, when he guested on, I think, the Toy Story episode. And so he brought me over mm-hmm. and then I dove back into started from the beginning with you guys. And, you know, obviously, 90, I think I'm basically the same age as you guys. So 99 was kind of a pivotal year for me as far as movies and really like opening my eyes to what what was out there. So 
Um, I mean, this podcast just spoke to me like directly. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, movie podcasts, I don't know. That's basically all I consume anymore, pretty much. I mean, I'm, if I'm watching a movie, it's because I'm watching it for a podcast anymore at this point. So, um, did you, yeah. did you, did you like Barry Lyndon? I love Barry Lyndon. I, I still haven't watched <laughs> yeah. it yet. I got to watch that one. I've no, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I've never seen it either. Embarrassingly. And it's it, it like so many of these movies, particularly the Kubrick run that they're doing, yeah. but stuff for us too. It's hard to carve out three hours, you know, like that's that's my I've been wanting to watch Barry like even last night. Right. I went and watched Long Goodbye because I had two hours, you know, but I don't have three hours very often. So I really want to watch Barry Lyndon. It sounds. Yeah, I will say it's a very gentle, slow watch, maybe (laughs) multitask while you're doing it. But it's pretty it goes down pretty smooth. It's it's definitely not a slog. John, are you are you do you work in film? Are you tell us more? I really don't know much. What what part of the country are you coming from? I'm coming from Iowa. Right. Uh, I think Phil and I talked about doing a holiday style swap when you guys did the Field of Dreams. So. Oh yeah, where in um, Iowa are you? Are you? I'm in Des Moines, the the capital. So, um, but no, I don't work in film in any kind of any sense of the word. So um, I'm in insurance. Des Moines is Amazing. the insurance capital of the Midwest. So, um, interesting. Yeah, uh, you there's, know, there's Hartford in the east and Des Moines in the Midwest. So, have you have you always been a movie fan? I mean, has it just always been a thing for you? It has. Yeah. Um, when I had kids, I kind of dropped off. I wasn't able to see as many, and then tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I started <laughs> listening to Blank Check, and they kind of brought me back into it. And, Letterboxd is is dangerous because that kind of gamified it, and now you got to make lists and complete lists. And I'm trying to stay off Letterboxd. Same. I I, yeah. I I dipped my toe into those waters. I probably I guess early pandemic, and I was just like, you know, I got enough stuff like this in my life. <laughs> it's like remember Phil when we were going to try to do the film log, the Soderberg uh-huh. Soderbergian film logs for a whole year. I lasted like. I mean, I know you lasted a day. I I think I lasted about four weeks. But uh, even that, like, I really want to. Like, I really would love to be someone who had an extensive letterbox and, and, you know, put everything on there. But it's daunting. It it feels a little like homework, unfortunately. And and I, I want movies to be fun for me. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of why, like, this podcast is is sort of the perfect amalgamation of that for me, which is that it's social and it's fun and we're, we're talking movies and whatever. Um, it gives me an excuse to watch films that I haven't seen before um, mm-hmm. or rewatch films that I love. Um, so in that regard, it's, it's, I think you have to be of a certain um, personality L- looking at David Sims and his, and his infamous uh, grid or, or, or spreadsheet. Uh, you know, he's been doing it since he was a teenager. <laughs> like he, he, clearly jealous jealous i'm jealous too because it must be an amazing document right to have yeah but i'm also just like even joe reed's word doc i mean like the 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 idea of having and and like i'm i'm just it's annoying living on the internet to some extent because i always thought i was the biggest nerd (laughs) and like the and the best nerd Sure. Right. Like I thought I was the biggest of the best. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. I knew everything. I, my party trick in college was naming Oscar winners, the best mm-hmm. picture winners back mm-hmm. to 68. Um, And you get on the Internet and like 
Joe Reed, for instance, just fucking shames me, just humiliate, just pantses me. So it's just like, uh, it's just, you know, I I almost feel like if I almost like I I have to get out of of the competition because I, I can't win. Well, but I mean, yes. All right, I won't. I won't leave. I won't leave. I won't leave. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would just say I know where you're coming from. I don't. I don't personally um, attempt to hold myself up to those people because I, I mean, Griffin's the same thing, right? Like Griffin's knowledge of oh, you know the the, these the motherfuckers the are, is unbelievable. Um, so you know, it's I, I'm just I'm just happy to be uh, you know invited to the party. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's nice to have a seat at the table. I completely yeah, agree. So um, we're, we're here to talk uh, everyone's favorite film from 1999, Human Traffic, uh, a movie that if I'm being completely honest, I'm not sure I knew existed. Yeah. John, did you suggest this? <laughs> no. Well, was this, was this on our list? This was on our list, Phil, because like, you're what you're like, John doesn't want to do it. I'm like, well, that's too bad. I guess the whole podcast is going to have to end. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah. he's, he's like, OK, John will do human traffic. I'm like, oh, that must be some obscure movie only he's heard of because I didn't even realize it was on our list. It's I mean, it was on our I mean, I, it was on our deep cuts list. I mean, sure. this movie barely got um, a theatrical release for all intents and purposes. And and I, I think that ultimately what happened was you and I, Kenny, had sort of figured out what films we wanted to cover just to be completists. But we were also sort of like, how do we do this in a way that isn't just like dumping a bunch of shit like I, I we wanted to. And, and, and thankfully, you know this fan episode has given us an opportunity to be able to kind of talk about these films and have you on John and some other people too. So I sent you that list and human traffic was on that list. And, and John was kind enough to take the, the 90 minutes out of his life to, to watch this film. And we appreciate that. 84. <laughs> 80, 80, 80. Oh, 80, 84. You know, there are two cuts of this, right? Are you aware? Oh, really? I think there's oh, I three. So <laughs> there may, there may be three, but the, uh, it, this is very weird to me. I've never yeah. heard of anything like this. There's a 99-minute UK theatrical version that is bawdier and rowdier and, you know, also has, like, UK-specific references that get Mm -hmm. turned into odd odd references in the version we watch, this 84-minute version you can get on uh, iTunes, which is the U.S. version. Like, one of the characters says she's going to go watch Jerry Springer, which I thought, oh, they have Jerry Springer. Well, in the original, it wasn't Jerry Springer. Yeah, I was going to say. It was some obscure British person. And there are all sorts of things like that that are almost, it almost reminds me of like when you had like, um, I mean, we did it on Entourage where, Mm -hmm. you know, you had an HBO show that was hopefully going to go syndicated on a place that has standards. You know, we would actually shoot him two ways. We'd shoot it with the curses and without the curses. We'd shoot it with the nudity and without the nudity. It reminds me a little bit of that. I mean, by not not like a season one, but by like season four or five and we're like, yeah, this is going to happen. Like, let's be smart about it. Um, It's really interesting because, I mean, first of all, I think that is smart because... Uh, watching Sex and the City on E is is a brutal experience when they just literally right. butcher it. Um, you know, it's, what's interesting about what you're saying in terms of changing some of the references in this, it makes me think about um, a few years previous to Human Traffic was Train Spotting, a movie that I imagine mm-hmm. you guys that we'll talk about in the in the context of this film mentioned in co- mentioned in context in, in this film, yeah, in dialogue. Um, I remember when that came out, I think it was 97, 96, 97, something like that. 96 sounds right. And I remember one of the conversations around that film was, what the hell are they talking about? 
Like there's a lot of stuff in train spotting in terms of some of the the references. They're obviously their accents being very thick. Um, and I I I obviously think that's part of the culture of the film, but my guess is that they were hoping that maybe this movie could break out a little bit more if there wasn't any sort of alienating components to it. But I don't think that was the case. Um this film, Human Traffic, the synopsis of it is for Jip, Lulu, Coop, Nina, and Moth, the dead-end no jobs they endure, great names, uh, the dead-end jobs they endure during the week just kill the time until Friday night. That's when they cut loose and get on the crazy roller coaster that takes them, who wrote this, that takes them right through to Monday morning. An adrenaline-pumped comedy, Human Traffic chronicles the ups and downs, both chemical and emotional, for five friends whose weekends are filled with endless clubbing, pubbing, and partying. Where there, where there are no limits and no rules and no saying no. Human Traffic screened at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 11th, 1999. It later opened worldwide throughout 99 and 2000. It would go on to make around $5 million on a $5 million what? budget. What? Which is crazy, crazy to me. But it's got 59% of Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 89% from audiences. 89% from audiences. Just want to repeat that. Uh, Ebert gave the film two stars said act like an adult be fake so says one of the feckless heroes of human traffic a sad comedy about druggies and whales this movie is about how he and his friends are already acting like adults uh they're right that many adults are fakes but some adults at least know that when they're faking it these kids are clueless they know how to take drugs and feel good that doesn't require cleverness there's definitely more to their relationships than just going on in terms of going out taking drugs and having a good time says nicola Reynolds, an actress in the film, they are strong, strong friendships. And they and the more they know, the more they go through things together, the more their bond strengthens. You know, the difference between a real friend and a real party is when you have a flat tire, the real friend goes outside in the rain and helps you change it. The party friend says bummer and buys you a drink. I think Eber's understanding or his perspective on this film isn't entirely without merit. I don't know that these... I think that to your point, Kenny, earlier before we got on mic, I do think that the third act of this film has some heart and some soul. Um, I found the first two thirds exhausting. Um, Truly repetitive and exhausting. Um, I don't know how you felt. John, how did you feel? Yeah. Yeah, I'd echo the same thing. I mean, it's definitely a movie of two halves. It's almost like the director forgot to do all the crazy shit that he was doing in the first half and the second half. Um, And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's a commentary that the point of the movie, the beginning where they're sober is the most manic and and crazy. And the point where they're on drugs is when it chills out and that's when they're normal. I don't know if that's what they're trying to say, but that kind of felt like what they might've been going for. I don't know if that was explicit. No, I think that's a good. I think that's a good point. I I, I think that you know, um, Kenny, you mentioned when we were recording yesterday. Go, yeah, um, go. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Go, just in terms of its world. Uh-huh. It also reminds me of um, Two Hundred Cigarettes. Yep, you know yep. a lot as as well. Yep. It just it it. it there is something obviously in the zeitgeist worldwide. Uh, obviously, two two hundred cigarettes didn't play, take place in modern times, but it had that kind of same club kitty vibe. Um, you know, I maintain no one ever, no one has ever really done a great movie about rave culture. You know, I right. guess 
Go is the closest, a movie that I used to love and no longer think is a masterpiece. But uh, no one's ever really knocked that down. But, you know, the, it was short lived, fat- too, to be clear. Like the, the rave, co- I mean, was. not to say that it wasn't a big deal. No, it was, but, but it was exa- yeah. the thing for me, at least, it yeah. is it was exactly when I was coming of age as a grown up, right? So it was, you know, the, the, I always think about this just in terms of drugs and not to get too like drug, you know, drug related or whatever, but there was really only like a four or five year period in the last like 40 years where ecstasy supplanted cocaine as the party drug of choice. It happened again in like maybe around 2000 with the advent of Molly, but um, it really never, it really was just this little like blip around like 96 to like, 2001 2002 and i don't feel like any filmmaker really like did a good job of explaining how that was different in every way how that you know gave rise to edm culture gave rise to this rave culture and gave rise you know ecstasy is a very different drug than cocaine people don't fight an ecstasy so it's a it's a different very different kind of you know vibe in the late 90s in these clubs you know worldwide um so whatever. I think that's 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 over here. This movie, you know, is a little too Pee-wee's Playhouse to me. A little too Grooves in the Heart for me. You know, a little too like, you know, really just manic in its in its filmmaking style. Um but and I'm, you know, look, I'm going to I'm going to John because you're on. I'm going to reevaluate Go right now. Go is a 75. So we can do that just so when I when I when I review this with a, when I give this a higher number than Go, I'm not doing that. Like Go is a 75. Go is like much yes. better than I thought. I think about I, Go I, all I, I'm I'm, I'm going to rewatch Go as well. And I, I think, think about I it all the time. Yeah. yeah, I I really do love so much of it. Like yeah. I think at the beginning of this podcast, we were definitely on some like God, this is not the movie I thought it was. God, there's some really uncomfortable things here. Yes. God, this is like you know, like real I mean, fucking homophobic. There are storylines in Go that, that don't age well. And that's the stuff that I think at the time when we reviewed it early in the podcast, we probably leaned a little too hard into. Exactly. And we were also kind of, you know, we were coming off American Pie too, which Christ. our, I, I believe, and American Beauty. Yes. So, which, you know, our, um, <laughs> our perspective. perspective, no, no, our criticisms of those movies yeah. hold up. We were dead on with those two. I don't think we were dead on with go. Okay. Goes to 75. Uh, okay. Okay. trafficking. Like I, I, so I think the first half is pretty, you know, like, like intolerable. It's exhausting, yeah. but they do set some things up, particularly Jip's impotence, Correct. which I am always a sucker for an impotence <laughs> plot line. <laughs> and, uh, they play that out really well. I His do. internal monologue, the honesty of that, um, you know, I think, you know, the the as someone who's experienced impotency in my in my youth, the the constant chorus of people in your of of of, of voices in your head saying you're not man enough or are you gay or what's wrong with you or what's happening? The the like the cacophony of like of of, of self-judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, self-judgment. But but the, the inability to enjoy the moment, it really yeah. is some another thing that I feel like has never been told told in a uh in an interesting honest way and i think this is kind of the best the, the I best think, job I, i've ever seen frankly I, I completely agree with you that that is unquestionably the best part of this film it is the most real part of this film it's the it, it is the most human part of this film um 
and the arc of Jip's character uh, is is the best and most delineated arc. Um, I, 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 you know, the the problem ultimately is sort of with the stuff you were talking about up top. Um, I felt like I was inside. Remember the, that old uh, Budweiser ad with the guys that were calling each other? Oh, sure. Uh, what's phone? up? What's up? I yeah, believe that's an, isn't that a it 99 like, ad? I don't know. But we, or were like the frogs? I, I can't remember. But. I don't remember. But I felt like I was in that. There are scenes on the phone where I was like, get me the fuck out of this scene. Like, yeah. get me out of this headspace. Um, yeah, that McDonald's scene. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was oh, like that, something out of a cartoon. That was so sure. funny, John, because that was, was supposed to be a McDonald's. But it so clearly was the lobby of a movie theater and they were selling only popcorn. It was great. <laughs> that was like, that that felt like troll two. That like troll two levels of like, what are you guys doing? It it really just felt like this. So this I looked into this filmmaker, writer, director of this film. He made a sequel to this film a few years later uh, to catch up with these characters. My, my guess is that this film did well overseas. My guess is this film did well in the UK. Um, and, you know, ultimately, as was the case around that time, Miramax decided to distribute it. Um, you know, I don't know how well it did over here. It's a movie that kind of didn't make much of an impression over here. At least I never heard of it. Um, that's not to say that, you know, but uh, it, it's it's really that first half. All the other characters kind of blend into one another. Jip's the really the only one that kind of popped for me. I knew we were in for a rough ride from the first five minutes where there's just all this fourth wall breakage and, you know, all this VO and just like all, all this sort of like, unnecessary noise that I felt was, was just kind of drowning out any of the, of the potential character, you know, work that he was perhaps trying to do. Um, But the back half to your point, Kenny, when everything kind of slows down, when everyone, when the drugs start to fade away um, and everyone has to kind of really deal with their lives I appreciated that. And I do think that, uh, that that part of the film did make it uh, a lot stronger, but my God, it was just the beginning. Yeah. It's trying so hard to be cool. It's just exhausting. That's right. It's trying so hard to be cool. And, you know, as we've established, Brits aren't cool. So uh, I was going to ask you, do you think, does this movie think these characters are cool? I think it does so. in the beginning for sure, or at least it's trying to convey that so that perhaps in the third act, when we realize that they're not cool, that I, I, I don't know. I'm not, sure I don't know if we ever, I'm not sure. I don't know if we ever realize that they're not cool. I think these yeah. are supposed to be cool people. I really do. I think like, I have a lot of thoughts about, you know, kind of British culture, British characters waiting in the wake of American hip hop. Um, I think it's very weird, very strange. I understand why it happens. I understand hip hop is, you know, a global, um, a global, you know, export essentially. Sure, sure, sure. And but but there's a lot of cosplay that goes on in these European countries when it comes to that, and there is no one to check them. Um, so they sometimes it you know kind of metastasizes out of control, yeah. and a guy like Jip all of a sudden is is a cool guy. Um, you just come here where pe- people are fooled by their accents and think they're cool just for a living. But what's up, John? Yeah, I, I noticed that too. And, and 
moth. He's got like a Confederate flag on his, on his wall. And I bet if you ask the director, like, why is that there? I don't know that he would necessarily have an answer. I don't know. I mean, it's just weird when you see these things that are divorced from their cultural significance imported into a different culture and they just take on their own meaning. There were a lot of things on their walls that were kind of that way. And the rap, when the guy comes in to buy the records, like, there's just this cultural appropriation thing that's going on that is really interesting. Not it's really, lovely. I, yeah. It's lovely to see how stupid the Brits are when, you know, when, when they're left <laughs> to their own devices, too, because I feel like it's such an American, you know, it's such a criticism of Americans that we're so, um, you know, like, like, like culturally blind to where things come from and the, you know, appropriating and uh, putting things on our wall, essentially um, devoid of context. But yeah, these dumb Brits do it, too. And I think the Confederate flag in, in particular was a, was really a great one. His his moth's walls looked like a fucking TGIF. They right? do. I you know it's How funny to hear all those images. That's what I was wondering. The the spectrum of British film that we've watched over the last few months, even let alone over five years, is pretty fascinating to me. Sure, Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. This rat catcher. Uh, war zone. another one. Sorry that I that I war zone war zone exactly. Where you're just like, didn't we just did do another keep... one like yesterday? I, maybe I don't know. No, very recently before Ratcatcher, another whatever. Well, it does. I mean, ultimately, what's fascinating about it to me is the spectrum of of sort of the British experience that was done in film in '99. I think is fascinating. But like, it's also like this, I would say human traffic and Lockstock do have some similarities. There is a kind of Guy Ritchie-esque quality to this film a little bit um, in its broadness, in terms of the comedic components. I feel like, you know, Guy Ritchie is obviously very broad in his humor as well. But then like you look at something like Ratcatcher or Warzone and you're just like, it's crazy what was coming out of the UK at that time. I don't, and it's not to say that, that the UK doesn't make lots of great films still, but like their output feels like it's lessened a little bit because I don't think those films transfer as well now or perform as well at the, at the box offices. That and then there are other, you know, it, it, it's a spectrum. It is what it is. Yeah. Like there are other films that are, that are, you know, kind of UK in spirit, even though they were probably sure. financed by uh, Americans like Notting Hill is basically a British say, film, yeah. you know, British filmmaker, Brit- yep, yep, yep. mostly British cast, but British screenwriter, yep. you know, and uh, Felicia's Journey is basically, you know, a British film. And yep, yep. so, you know, you have all these movies that um, it's fascinating. Yeah, you know, that that kind of, that that show, it's, you know, it's the it's these extremities mm-hmm. that are particularly interesting to us. It's the rat catchers, you know, in yeah. Short of some stuff that Harmony Corinne does, you're not going to find another movie like Ratcatcher in America. Uh, this, you know, this yeah. I, we we've done some lower budget e movies like this. Like this kind of feels like a better than Chocolate, which is a Canadian film, yeah. you know. Yep. 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 But um, but no, this is this is a, a very, an extremely British movie. So it's it's and but it is it's an extremely British film weirdly trying to be American at times, which is its own weird thing. I mean, talking, you guys obviously talked about the, the, the Jerry Springer thing, the McDonald's thing, like this movie is trying to have its cake and eat it too. And I think in the process, it feels a little bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is which is you know a problem um the casting isn't bad i actually don't mind the cast by and large i think they're all pretty good they're, they're just saddled with not the greatest script in the world what do you think of the chip. cast john i thought chip was really good actually yeah i did um, too i did too i mean the other ones i could take or leave i i mean moff i don't know if i was just colored by how awful that character is but sure. i didn't really care for him but yeah. Um, I, yeah, I thought Jip was really good. You know, the scenes of him at the house party with uh, Coop when they're just, it just seems like the actors are just riffing. I mean, that those were the best scenes in the movie um, when it's just the actors just kind of hanging out and talking to each other. So yeah, I, I thought that was really good. You could, you could also really sense Kenny. I mean, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but like, uh, I, the scene under the table with the cocaine, which felt like it went on forever. But that scene, you know, hard not to think of Boogie Nights, hard not to think of Scorsese yeah. at times, hard not to think about these, you know, these, these, you know, uh, either new, fresh American voices or classic American voices in cinema that's also kind of coursing through this movie. It was interesting, too. They it, it did last forever and they never snorted it. Um, they, it just went on and on. Occasionally, yeah, they put it on their drugs. But, but Coop really is just he just keeps making these lines thinner and yeah. thinner and thinner. Yeah. And I guess was mostly looking at that uh, that that metal straw. When's it going to fall off the table? But yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it it it. I I hate to be this this person, but it is interesting watching a film like this. It just it screams like all its influences are 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 on its sleeve. Um, it feels like a first film. It feels like a guy who, you know, loves Tarantino, uh, you know, lots of, of scenes of, of guys talking close to the way humans talk, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot of that stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's unfortunate because to your point earlier, Kenny, that the, the impetus storyline, the sexual anxiety storyline of Jip, um, is is really heartfelt and human um and you get the impression that the filmmaker really wants to talk about that stuff yeah um and that it's the real kind of like emotional spine of his film um but it's so at odds with everything else going on around it that you're just like i don't even know what to make of this but anyway well i'll I'll tell you what yeah when you're going through that it really does kind of it really does kind of, you know, overtake anything else. For sure. sure. Uh, and I think it did. I actually think like I, I can't remember anything that happened to Coop. Hardly anything that happened with Moth. I don't even remember Coop's girlfriend's name. Uh, I nope. thought Lulu was really great and interesting. I, I thought that was I thought they had a lovely relationship. And I thought the Gyps thing was really great, too. Yep. I think there is, you know, I, I think there is a version of this with a better producer and a better studio that says all of that stuff, yep. you know, that's background noise. Focus on this thing that's happening in the yep. middle. And you yep. could have a really strong story about a, uh, about a character at odds with himself. Um, but I, I see it there. I see it there. It's and I think, there. Yeah, yeah, no, I see it. I, and, and I think, you know, it was, they certainly ended it on purpose with this almost singing sure. the rain-esque last moment, you know, yeah, with this yeah. massive fucking crane yeah. shot over yeah. streets and Carter. They blew half their budget on this one shot, but it was worth it. Yeah. So I, um, 
so I'm obviously I'm curious. We'll, we'll rate this, but John, in terms of '99, are there are there other films for you? Obviously, outside of Human Traffic, but like, what 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 sort of um, what movies popped for you in '99 back then, and and maybe upon rewatch? Yeah, I, I hate having to admit this, but you know, Fight Club was was don't and still it, is like great. You listen to you listen to the episode. We love it. Yeah. I did, yeah. But you tell that to people and there's immediately a assumption about what kind of person you are. It so sucks. I, it sucks having to be like, I love Fight Club, but not like those guys love Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, Fight Club, I mean, obviously talented Mr. Ripley, sure. um, Magnolia. Um, I have not, I've been holding off on rewatching being John Malkovich for your episode. So I've got the Criterion Blu-ray that's been sitting yeah. around for like a year. So it's coming I up, I have it's not watched up. that in probably since it came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think you're going to love it. You're going to like it. Yeah. And it's a great episode. I mean, Mark and, and, uh, and Adam are fantastic guests. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I'm being honest, I haven't rewatched um, Magnolia in a very long time. Um, I've, I've, I mean, bits and pieces here and there over the years, but I've, I've kind of held off on that. I don't know about you, Kenny, in terms of, uh, yeah, I haven't watched it in, I mean, an insanely long time, you know, it's because, you know, life goes so fast. I mean, at one point in my life, I owned three DVDs of the, like, I owned yeah, three I times and like DVD, and not even like that, not even yeah. like that. I don't know how I wound up with three separate DVDs of this film, but I know I wore it out like mo- yeah. almost more than any other movie I've ever had that. And I've been uh, world ten of with the movies. I just fucking wore out. Sure. Um, but yeah, I can't tell you the last time I sat down and watched it. I mean, it could have 15 years. So I got to, I actually, before we do the episode, I want to, um, I'm going to buy the shooting script because you know that they, they published that. Mm. Um, so I want to, I want to read that. And I also want to rewatch the, uh, the documentary on uh, the making of it that, uh, that he did. Cause um, that's like the only special feature on the Blu-ray and yeah. the DVD back in the day was like a half hour documentary about the making of it. I'll have to go into my uh, my storage unit and pull it out. Find one of your three. Pull out, pull out one of my three. I think I I think I sent you a like I think I sent you a, a picture of all of the DVDs from '99 that I owned back when I thought I would actually watch them on DVD, which yeah. I never did. Yeah. And I think I had three magnolias in that picture. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so so John, were there back in '99? I'm assuming you went to see a lot of movies, right? I mean, you were. Yeah, I was there pretty much every weekend. Yeah, that was the height of movie watching in my life. So, so did, pretty much did, every week. Is there a movie that, uh, just out of curiosity, is there a movie that you loved back then that you don't love now or vice versa? Something that's that's changed over the 20 some odd years for you? Uh, <laughs> go. I, I, sure. I, I don't watch that like ever. <laughs> I mean, I think I own it, but um, back then I, I loved too. it. I had this. I had the soundtrack. I I listened. I to had the soundtrack the too. Me too. So you're yeah. someone who knows knows all the works of Troubled by the way we came together, like me. <laughs> Potentially, we'll, we'll try that later. But that was that was one of the things I noted with with this movie. Like I I don't remember any of the music from Human Traffic, and you compare that with Go, and it's just like completely opposite i mean yeah i looked at like the track listing on on wikipedia and it's like there's names here i recognize but i could not tell you a single song that played in that in the movie which is too bad i I completely agree with you and i would also say too that um the visual style 
and I would argue that the, the script itself um, is is so smothering. You know what I mean? Like it's it's hard to even uh, really process what what you're what's going on a lot of the time. That like it's not to say that the music shouldn't pop; it does, and I don't remember any of it either. But it just goes to show that like when you're doing it right, the harmony of all of those things, forgive the pun, is special, right? Like you look at Go and you know, say what you will about some of the stuff that, that doesn't work, the stuff that does work. And when the whole thing is kind of really humming and it's all kind of dovetailing together, I think about the, you know, the, um, uh, the Steppenwolf needle drop with the car blasting through, like, these are things that are burned in my brain Mm -hmm. from back then. Um, That's the stuff that just, that that's the juice. That's, that's what's great about that. That's why it's a 75 now. (laughs) All right, let's figure out what this one is. Um, so I didn't see this in 99. I came into this podcast at a 30. Um, you know, I'm going to go up a little bit. I'm going to go up to a 40. Um, I, 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 it's nice. Just truly because of, of Jip's sexual anxiety storyline, his relationship with Lulu. I, I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's nice. It's human. It's well done. Everything else I think is, essentially garbage but i do think that that stuff works and i think the point you made john that i uh, the uh, a salient point and and one the sort of the up and down the kind of yin and yang of this movie of sort of the first half being the kind of like cacophony of craziness of what have you and then the second half whether or not it <laughs> is conscious or you know of of some sort of a thesis statement i think there is something there um so i'm gonna go up to a 40 what about you kenny you know what and the one thing we didn't mention and i think yeah. this is this this kind of relates to what you were talking about with, with regards to what john said yeah. was uh there is that scene at the end of the five of them sitting around the table and moth basically being like that's it for me i'm done and uh you know, Coop saying when the come down is worse than the, you know, the high, that's when, you know, you got to leave the party. And that's what happened to me. That sure. That's that's why I'm sober. Like, because right. at some point it was just, you know, the, the, the next day was so much worse than the day. So much worse where it's just like nothing is worse feeling. Nothing is worth feeling like this. Sure. And that's the end. Like I basically, you know, called it a career. I was at a 53. I was charmed by the, I like the storyline. I was charmed by the ending of it. Um, I was charmed. I thought the sex scene between Lulu and Jip was really great. You're in both of their heads here and both of their monologues. Um, it is a little bit of male wish fulfillment that some, that a woman would be that into that concerned with, with your feelings in the moment entirely, but it's pretty lovely. Um, also, there the moment when they kiss the first time. It's it, they really do have a nice story yes, between yes. them. I'm actually going to go up because oh, wow. I just okay. remembered. Uh, I just remembered the uh, that last scene, which I think was pretty smart too. So I'm going to actually go all the way up to a 59 year. I think this movie lives in the 50s, but I think this wow. is a 50. I think this is a okay. 59. Um, for all those reasons, I think it's hard is completely in the right place. Um, I think not, it's hard is in the not right the place. world's not the world's worst movie. Okay, what about you, John? Yeah, um, <laughs> I I came in. I wrote down because I knew this was coming. I wrote down forty five. Yeah, is what I was coming in at, and that was because 
Um, it, it's basically a hangout movie and it kind of lives or dies on the characters. And totally. aside from Jip, I don't know that I really cared about the other people. I mean, Coop, his arc is he's jealous and he's, I, I don't know that that ever even gets resolved at the end. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you what the, the girls arcs were uh, if they had any. Um, so yeah, I was at a 45. Um, I think I'm going to stay there uh, cause we haven't really said anything to change my mind on that. I, mean, I think you guys are all kind of on the same page. I mean, it's, it, it is oddly charming at the, the second half, but that first half is, is rough. Yeah, it really I, is. I'm a slight recommend. I think you guys are slight, uh, slight recommend against. Yeah. But. I mean, I think, I think we're all kind of in the same terrain. I'll say this though. I mean, it just goes to show how well done the Jip and Lulu stuff is because truly hard to recommend kind of anything else going on in this movie. So I definitely thought this was, this was, you know, in, in this was, you know, maybe in the 20 zone for, you know, the first Same. 45 minutes of this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, but by the end, I really was taken with it. Yep. What are you going to do? Um, John, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, we, first of all, I'm we so happy you, for- you did this. Thank you. I, first of all, you had clearly nothing to worry about um, in terms of whether or not you were going to be uh, additive or helpful or this was absolutely lovely. Um, we thank you not just for, you know, obviously all the time you put into the into uh, into our wiki, but just, you know, for for going on this ride with us and listening to all these episodes. And, you know, we, we've. Uh, we've we've put people through the paces. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of movies that people probably wouldn't have watched without us, um, and we appreciate that you uh, that you went on this journey with us. Truly, yeah. Well, I, I'm thrilled to do it. I had a lot of fun. So thank you guys for inviting me. Absolutely. All right, and uh, we'll 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 see you uh, on the internet. Yeah. Take okay. care. To Great soon. to meet you, John. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999. Commanding a wing here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Uh Commanding a wing. I don't yeah, know. Sure. Why and, yeah. and we are, we are, we are back with another episode with a treasured fan of the show. Um, Amanda H on Twitter. I never knew your last name. Do you mind me saying it, Amanda? I'm going to go right ahead. Amanda Heldsinger, uh, Beatrix Kiddo on Twitter, and one of our one of our most valued fans. Thank you so much for being a fan of the show, for engaging with us on Twitter. Uh, you're obviously a uh, a big fan of of films. Like your knowledge runs wildly deep and and very very varied. I mean, you're, you 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 see. I mean, based on Twitter, sure. you seem to know uh, a lot about a lot. Why is that? Uh, I have been watching a lot of movies for a very long time since I was like a tiny, tiny kid. I just and I just like lots of different kinds. I mean, the the truth is, I agree with Kenny. Your 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 knowledge is deep and broad, um, which I think perhaps is is why um, you like ninety nine as much as you do. It seems as though uh, it's a it's a varied year, obviously. But is there? Was it a special year for you? Did you, where did you, I mean, how, how did 99 speak to you? 
I think 99 was the first year that I was really getting into what was coming out like new. I had always watched a lot of like older movies or like even the 80s and the early 90s. And then by 99, I was 12. So that was kind of a big, a big year for really starting to take in what was coming out, mm-hmm. you know, new in movies. I mean, so as was the case, uh, I gave a handful of movies uh, options to, uh, to some of our fans. Uh, and, and you picked Wing Commander, which was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, which was one of the uh, one of the, the batch of movies that I suggested. Um, I had never seen this film. Had you seen this film before? I had. I actually I saw it in '99 in the theater. Wow, <laughs> that's is it, hardcore. What what made you see Wing Commander? Yeah, uh, it was entirely Freddie Prince Jr. Sure, that's, sure. That's what I thought. Maybe that, tracks. that yeah. Freddie, <laughs> Freddie, and Freddie, and I don't know uh, if if Matthew Lillard was was a draw at all for you either. He definitely but... was too. Anyone from Scream, I would see in anything. I would watch sure. him in anything. I would too, except for Wing Commander. Um, <laughs> you already drawn the line somewhere. But I really, I, 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 I hear you because I, I did. I mean, look, I saw Scooby Doo in the theater for that. You know, it's like yep. these, these are my people. Yeah, yeah. Scooby Doo, a vastly superior film to Wing Commander. But I, I, um, oh, Kenny, not not a Scooby Doo fan. I don't think Scooby Doo is very good. It's I so mean. Yeah, it's so mean spirited. It's like it's it, true. And it's yeah. not like, I don't know. It, it, there, I, I, I really dislike Scooby Doo, to be honest, not to get too much into it, but like. Wait, the, the, the IP of Scooby Doo or this? Oh, movie? I love the IP okay. of Scooby Doo. Okay. Watched it uh, incessantly as a child. Um, I think, but I think the, the, the nastiness towards Scrappy Doo, it's not that Scrappy's such a wonderful character. It's that I love that this is the best take you've ever had. One of the best takes. It's 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 that all right. So the two there are two reasons. One, the Scooby Doo ending is worth keeping, right? (laughs) It's a classic ending. It's one of the best things they have going on in the show. If you want to get meta, get meta about that, right? Yeah. Don't get meta about this like random ass character that's already been shit on constantly. It would be like it would be like if they did a fucking Star Wars show and they had Jar Jar Binks be the um like yeah. I get yeah. it, guys. You know, one like Scrappy. I get it, but like, <laughs> but, like, but like, come on, like, give me a Scooby Doo ending. Like, no, I, I hear that. It's so, you know, I think the thing about, I mean, not not to make this a, a, a Scooby Doo episode, but I'll just say that because I remember, as I'm sure maybe both of you do, like a Scooby Doo movie was a talked about thing for a while. Bit of a white whale. Right. It had and it had these illustrious casts attached to it for a really long time. You, know, you had your your Jim Carrey as as Shaggy. You had your you know, there was a Mike Myers version. There were all these different versions with like mega stars. And then this the, the one that got sort of I don't want to say cobbled together, that pulled together was uh, Matthew Lillard, Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Geller, and uh, Linda Cardellini, which was sort of this in hindsight, pretty great cast of, you know, 20-somethings. Pretty appropriate cast. Yeah. And Matthew Lillard, a great Shaggy, by the way. Like, a great Shaggy. And it looks good, even though I don't love how CG, you know, Scooby is, but that is what it is. Like, I rewatched Scooby-Doo. Man in in a dog suit might have been 
preferable. It might might have been better. <laughs> but but I watched it on HBO Max. I don't know. I want to say six, eight months ago. And I was pleasantly surprised by I'll be honest, I didn't finish it. I watched like the first half of it. So perhaps the reveal at the end might not have worked for me as well. But it, it just I was like, this is an affable movie. I get why this thing was a hit. But like, I also get why it didn't really hit the zeitgeist either. It's not that cool. It's it's God to talk about Scooby, and I would love to hear your opinions on this. Yeah, movie. Amanda, did you see Scooby but in the theater? I did. I I hated it. Oh, okay. I actually was it because of Scrappy. Was it the Scrappy reveal that really bothered you? I just re- remember thinking that it was really stupid, and seeing it with a friend who loved it, and like getting into a fight because she was like, "No, it's really good." And I just I had no time for Scooby Doo. I thought it was terrible. It's very I, childish. It's it's that, it's it's aimed at a younger audience. Yeah, I chi- haven't seen it yeah. in years, but that was my complaint at the time. Yeah, it feels it feels very uh, confused with what it's trying to be because it I is agree. childish, but also um, like the there's meanness, there's attempts at sexiness, there's yep. attempts at, at stoner humor. There's this signaling to an older audience that we're still for you, but I never, but I didn't feel like, I don't feel like that's the way it is. Totally. It's almost the inverse totally. of the way Pixar does it, which, you know, um, you know, I mean, it, Pixar it's, signals it's for audiences by being about, you know, traumatic themes. Well, it's interesting because the director of Scooby-Doo, if I'm not mistaken, is the director of Mystery Men, which was in our 99 film. I think it's the same director, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and let me just look that up. Just another another bit of a misfire. But. Well, this is that's kind of my point, which is that tonally, it's just it's a really tough thing to crack. And I don't think, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, Raja Gosnell who also did Mystery Men, which is another movie that. Wait, no, it wasn't Mystery Men. It was uh, Never Been Kissed. Raja Gosnell's done. Raja Gosnell was like the editor of the Home Alone movies. Yeah. I'm 99 like, sure at some point he was the director of Ravenous. Like he. Yes, 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 yes. Had yes. a weird career. Weird yeah. career. Yeah. It's it's this is all just to say, like, either the Smurfs movies, he did Beverly Hills Chihuahua. This is all to say, Amanda, what you're saying. A and real author. Saying, Kenny or two are two, all make sense. Right. Which is trying to make kids movies that parents won't want to blow their brains at watching, but at the same time, aren't fully committed to making something that you know, an older audience will actually enjoy, it's which is almost like, which has almost never happened. Correct. Like this, this thing yes. where, where, I mean, like, I, I guess the one time it worked and I hate this movie, but the one time it worked mm-hmm. was Shrek. And I sure. think people got, I think a whole generation of, of studio execs got the wrong idea from Shrek or, or the right idea from Shrek. They just, they did what Mostly Shrek Katzenberg. did. All of illumination, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, all of uh, all of blue sky, everything like like sh- like everything that's not like foreign or Pixar or Disney animation um, took this idea of, you know, really childish, goofy story and uh, adult ish jokes, yep. which yep. usually just means poop jokes um, and, or and or and or allusions to what's happening in Hollywood. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. It's like inside baseball jokes or like it's bizarre. I know, I know. Yeah. All right, Amanda, let, let's talk a little uh, so bit about So you saw this in the theater, Wing Commander. Wing Commander. I did, yes. Okay, you saw this in the theater. Uh, did you like it? Um, I don't think I ever thought about it again after seeing it. Sure. I remember that was, it was really weird because for some reason I was convinced that if I hadn't played one of the games, I would be like lost seeing the movie. Are you are you not totally wrong? But are you a game player? 
Um, a little bit. I dabble. And my brother had, he wasn't really into Wing Commander, but he had one of them. And I remember like making him teach me how to play it. Cause I was like, I have like a week before I see the movie. I have to learn the mythos or I will be lost. I mean, I'm not going to lie. This movie has a surprising amount of like canon and, and like techno babble bullshit that I was surprised at. Did you feel I that way? Too, I didn't remember any of that. Sorry to jump in. No, 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 no. I, I, it was, first of all, I know of a game called Wing Commander. I had never played it in my life. I don't know, even know what platform it's for. I believe it was a computer game. That's what right? I thought. It's a PC game, right? I believe it's a PC game. How Maybe I'm weird. Wrong. Yeah, super. Is that right, Amanda? It's a PC game, right? Um, it was, yeah. yeah. And it was known for um it was one of the first ones to introduce like really extensive cutscenes with like actors that you recognized. Because <laughs> I remember okay. the one I played had uh, Malcolm McDowell in it and uh, Mark Hamill. <laughs> so that's yes. it, it, what what's something that's particularly interesting, and I guess this makes perfect sense in light of what you just said, is the creator of the video game series is also the director or the writer Correct. or director of the movie. Yes. So he's like or the kind he's like the kind of guy that you see all over Hollywood now who's like, we have to think of all the permutations of what this can be. This can be a movie, this could be a meta, this could be a meta, there could be an Instagram live series. And he like did it. He did it in 99. And here we go. This is the, the forebearer of everything that we're experiencing now. I say that as someone who's literally pitching something to meta in a week. But <laughs> I, I know I agree with you, Kenny. It's weird because like when I hit play on this, first of all, I was shocked that like this movie tries to over the credits, attempts to cover hundreds of years of Love human it. history and technology. Be- best part of the movie. Over. Kennedy, the best part of the movie. Like, that actually was great. That was like that was like the the, the, the American history version of Omega Code. Yes, that's you know? what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. I was watching, it was like, oh boy, this is Omega Code all over again. Um, except with like space shit. It was, it was interesting that like, you, you texted me, Kenny, and I completely agree with you that this movie is so sincere and so serious for all the, the only person who feels a little bit. I mean, listen, Matthew Lillard, big fan, love him. And mm-hmm. he's clearly like the quote unquote comedic relief, if you will, of the film. And I do think that Freddie Prince Jr. from time to time kind of gets a little winky. But most of all, mostly the movie is just deathly serious. Yeah, that was what surprised me is I thought it would have a like a little bit of a sense of humor and it doesn't at all. No, no, no like it's a, bizarre. The one joke at the end with the, when the guy um is like, oh, he's nice if you get to know him about like the awful racist commander. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Why is that been a joke? It's got a lot of like kind of Top Gunny jokes at times. Like there's some kind of obvious references to Top Gun. Um, it's... What's weird, too, is that it, it proved to me, not that this is the first time, first movie to do this, but like it just goes to show that there's no amount of technology, babble, sci-fi tropes that can save you if you don't have characters and a story and charisma. Yeah. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. If anything, it just goes to show that, like, imagine Star Wars without Harrison Ford, right? Or without Carrie Fisher to, 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 to sell you on that dialogue. I, I'm not trying to shit on Freddie. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Prince Jr. Uh, or, or Saffron Burroughs and Matthew Lillard. But like, this is dialogue that has to be sold by people filled with stardom and charisma that can actually pull you in. And instead, you're just like, look, I, I struggle with Star Trek and Star Trek. Is the, Star Trek is the gold standard. Yeah. Right. So like bad Star Trek is like yeah. it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. This is yep. basically nails on a chalkboard to me. I will say, though, I thought Lillard and the actress who played Rosie had yes. really good chemistry. I agree. And I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I did feel when she died. I mean, Lillard was playing it really big. So he, he almost ruined the moment. But like, I did feel that that mattered. And I thought their chemistry was hot, like, like actually. So, and I thought like, I just thought they had a really hot vibe between them. So I, I don't feel like this was destined to fail um, I necessarily, but I think the, I think the set design was kind of disgusting and ugly claustrophobic in a way. It didn't have to be um, all the cockpit shit looked terrible. It, yeah. It looked, the you know some of the space stuff looked okay some of the flying stuff looked pretty good but you know i don't know it's i i don't i don't necessarily know what to do with a movie like this well you know it's it made me think and i didn't know this amanda but but when you said it 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 kind of hit home for me the whole thing feels like a a cutscene from a video game right like and my assumption is that the director of those cutscenes was you know obviously the same guy who who directed this so it it does all feel that way right like it feels stilted it feels like the the special effects would be impressive if i was watching them on my computer screen as opposed to watching them on a movie screen it just it's it just goes to show that there's a chasm of difference or at least there was a 99 between a video game and a movie um there's still obviously a big you know uh, uh gap between them but it's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller um and in 99 i think it was just uh too too broad but i, I do want to give just a, a a touch of context for the people who haven't watched this movie space adventure with impressive special effects about a young crew who represent the last hope of an earth menaced by an alien kilrathi after capturing a navigational device which shortcuts their route to earth the kilrathi can only be intercepted by one team of fighter pilots the kilrathi yeah, who have to hold off the aliens until reinforcements arrive based on the computer game of the same name when Commander opened on March 12th, 1999 against Analyze This, Cruel Intentions, The Rage, Carry 2, and The Corruptor. It would go on to make $11.6 million on a $30 million budget. I mean, that's like that's like 60 or 70 today. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, we, we often, you'll go through your, your context yeah. and you'll say what something's opening against and we'll make yeah. fun of it because it stood no chance. But very often those movies didn't weren't trying to make 
Totally. A lot of money. This movie, thirty million dollars. This movie's tr- this movie definitely had aspirations of being a hundred million dollar movie. Had to have. I, you know, what I would say too. The weird part of this is that, and we've talked obviously about this a lot, but you know, the release dates used to mean a lot more. Now you can basically release a movie any time of the year and it can be a big hit, right? Like it, it back in the day, you had pockets of the schedule where you would essentially dump movies, right? And, you know, March 12th, for all intents and purposes, is an early summer release. By, by 99, I think March 12th, there are certain, there, there's a level yes. of expectation that you will 100%. make money. I mean, Matrix opens on March 31st, right? Like go. it's, it, it's, it, it, so it's interesting that like, I mean, Analyze This was a big hit. Yeah. Right. Huge like that hit. was a perfect release. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. point. Yeah. And, and, but I just, this movie just absolutely was obviously desperate. Too, that, um, I think they paired it with the Phantom Menace trailer when they that did. came. They out. did. So that seems like they clearly had some kind of higher, well, as you say, higher aspirations. And also, I think, you know, the hope was, we're going to put this Star Wars trailer on this movie, which weirdly, this was back in the day when people went to the movies to see a trailer for a highly anticipated if it's, movie. If it was that kind of movie, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think well, that this was a lot of people was, bought tickets and left. There, well, there was, a, there was a famous version of that. I forgot what it was. There was a, it wasn't Meet Joe Black. That's exactly what it was, where Meet Joe Black made most of its money for people buying tickets to yes. see the trailer yeah. and walking out. Yeah. And in fact, there were a bunch of theaters that if people stuck through the whole movie, they'd show the trailer again at the end. Just <laughs> you'd be like, you sat through three hours of Meet Joe Black. We'll give you another uh, fan. That's smart. Movie. That's smart. It is smart. Uh, Eber gave That's this a, film one star. It's our said, second uh, Jar Jar illusion. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. shows again an easy grace and instant likability. Matthew Lillard is a hotshot pilot named Maniac, gets into a daredevil competition with the Holder character, and I enjoyed his energy. The perfectly named Saffron Burroughs has a pleasing presence as the head of the pilot squadron, although having recently seen her in a real movie, Mike Figgis is the laws of sexual innocence at Sundance. I assume she took this role to pay the oh, utility bills. A real movie. Ouch. <laughs> what about uh, these Deep actors Blue are at the service of a submaronic script and special effects that look like a video game writ large. Ring Commander arrives at the end of a week that began with the death of the creator of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Close the pod bay door, Hal, and turn off the lights. I guess Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke must have uh, passed away in March of 1999, which I guess makes sense. No, Perhaps. I think no. Kubrick passed away in March. Oh, you're of right. Did, he's calling him the creator of 2001. Mm. Yeah, because Arthur C. Clarke lived past the year 2001, if I remember. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Kubrick died right right before Eyes Wide Shut, so it makes sense. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Weird, weird illusion. Weird to call him the creator of 2001, but I guess that's whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, that's who, I, here, that's who yeah. I thought of when he said it, but that's no, you know, you're absolutely right. You make that makes absolute sense. He must have died in March. Movie came out in July. Yeah. Uh, Checky Caro, the only actor who feels like he completely understands what movie he's in. And by that, I mean a bad one. He just seems <laughs> to be like, whatever the fuck. He's having a good time. Though. Well, it's what I said to you. I, I, I the, the, the first thing I said, I mean, I wonder your take on this was this is sincere Starship Troopers. Yes. And that you know these these beautiful like every all these pilots are like laughably beautiful mm-hmm. and uh you know male and female taking place yeah. in the future you know almost like this situation where everyone's living together and hugging each other and dressing together and mm-hmm. uh fighting something i mean they're called the, the kill racky 
I mean, that should be your your unobtainium, you know, hobby <laughs> horse. Uh, <laughs> the kill racky is a lot, and a uh, lot. the kill racky's bad. That's bad yep, to that's me. That <laughs> that illusions of racism there. I don't like that at all. No, uh, no, no, no. That's that's nasty. Um, but uh, yeah, but that you know that the kill kill racky works really well in a uh, in a Verhoeven movie. Yep, yep. you know, or a, or a Fifth Element. You know what I mean? Like, which is what their makeup kind of uh, weirdly uh, brought up in my head when I saw them show up at the end. I, you know, <coughs> Fifth Element is Fifth Element is almost. I mean, Fifth Element is, is truly one of my favorite movies. So good. Um, but I, uh, I take absolutely no metaphor from that film. <laughs> what do you think of Fifth Element, Amanda? I haven't seen it in a while, but I really love it. It's so I, good. I think, I, it, but, yeah. But, that said that they had the same, it was the same director of photography on The Fifth yeah. Element and Wing Commander. I could be wrong. I thought I read that. Oh, no. Which is surprising. That really surprised me. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. So sad. Because my I... main thing with Fifth Element is the visuals. The visuals are incredible in The Fifth Element. Yeah. I, I mean, truly, just like that. I, I, I know I'm going to sound like a like a moron, but that that's my Blade Runner, Right. Like that, like, truly, it's it's like I mean, it's not my Blade Runner thematically and all yeah. that stuff, but it is my Blade Runner visually. It is the it is, like that is the movie that when I saw in the theater was like was was like a, a shot to the cerebellum, and I don't think I've really seen anything that kind of hits me the same way uh, visually as that film. I agree. I mean, in that movie, I mean, I remember. So that movie, Fifth Element, is a ninety eight. I think it's ninety seven. Ninety seven. Um, right. And I just I remember seeing that in the theater and just being pretty gobsmacked by the special effects, by the visionary kind of look of it. Uh, I just really dug it. And then, you know, ultimately, many movies have sort of I don't want to say ripped it off, but certainly, you know, uh, taken the path that it sort of, you know, created to some degree. But I don't know. I this movie to me, you mentioned it earlier, Kenny, you know, that like this is nails on a chalkboard to you. And it's amazing how quickly I disengaged from this from this movie just because. Um, at a certain point, it became clear to me that I wasn't going to understand the world building necessarily. Like, just there, there's so much techno babble bullshit that I just felt that just like literally just went like through my through my head. Like, I just couldn't hold on to any of it. Um, is, can we talk about Saffron Burroughs for a second? Because I do feel of like course. I, I, so we obviously did Deep Lucy very early in the run, Kenny. It's like one of our first five, right? One of our first five. Um, I wonder what you'd think of it now, because I know you, you weren't a particularly much of a fan of it back when we did it the first time. Um, And I do wonder through the prism of the 250 to 300 movies you've watched since whether or not it holds up a little better. I feel the same way in, in the sense that like, I'm not sure if it would or if it wouldn't. Saffron Burroughs had a moment in 99 between this and that movie where I think they thought she could be like a new genre queen of some sort, but that obviously didn't happen. I don't know the answer to that. Saffron. I mean, the, the thing I remember about Saffron Burroughs from that movie, I mean, I remember her in that movie and she's stunning. Yeah. Uh, but the thing I remember is that she was supposed to like survive that film and test audiences hated her character, not because of her, because her character yeah. was responsible yeah. for the, you know, the evil sharks Correct. that they felt like she had to, you die. know, be, be die as a ritual yeah. sacrifice. Correct. Um, and that feels like that's something that a that a different actress might have been able to avoid. Like there are other there are, there are other people now. 
if she's supposed to be, you know, a sympathetic protagonist at the end who who just kind of let the science get out of control, I could imagine so many actresses who would be able to play that in a way that you wouldn't want them eaten by mutant sharks at the end. So <laughs> just a movie star that people liked too much. That no one would you know, ever feed Sandra Bullock to the sharks. Correct. Yes. For or, or a Kate Beckinsale for that matter. I mean, I think that there's uh, no, probably not. <laughs> I just it's, or a Kate Bosworth. There are a lot of Kate there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people. I, I do you think this like she's? I think she's a lot better, and I don't mean to. I mean, I agree. I guess with with Ebert in the sense that she's just better in smaller character pieces. She's been in a couple of Mike Figgis films that she's good in. I think she's just better when she's playing uh, smaller, grounded you know, three-dimensional characters. I think that it takes a certain skill set to be able to play uh, in the genre sandbox. Do you know what I mean? And be able to sort of, um, I mean, I don't think anybody could have been good in this movie, but I do think that, (laughs) that I do think to your point about Deep Blue Sea, Kenny, that had she been, had there been someone else cast in Deep Blue Sea, I think they would have navigated, forgive me, but those waters better than, uh, than Saffron Burroughs did because I think it's asking a lot. It it just is. It's a it's 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 just it's a very different skill set. I, I you know, and for good or bad, I think that that's I think that's hard to do. I, I you know, listen, I'm certainly not going to fucking talk about the uh, plot of this movie because it's pretty nonsensical. But I do want. Yeah, hang on, one second. Yeah, I was just going to say, have you seen uh, Saffron Burroughs in Gangster Number One? That's my favorite one. Good movie. Her. It's around yeah, the same Mike, time. Malcolm McDowell also. I, yeah, I was going to say, I just they, they just mentioned that on the the blank, did. the blank check podcast. I've never seen yes. this movie. I would like it's a good to. movie. I, I Paul Bettany, yeah. I believe, is the other actor in it. Am I, am uh, I crazy? Yeah. DVD oh, there. there she's got the box ready at the ready. Yeah, and, I remember that movie. Yeah, it's yeah. my favorite. She basically basically just has to be like lovely, but she's really good in it. She's it's it's one of those movies, Kenny, that uh I would sort of put in the lock, stock and two smoking barrels box of like a movie that didn't really do much at the theater, but like had a huge tale on video that, that a lot of people really loved. Um, it's a good movie. I, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, when asked about Wing Commander said, I can't stand Wing Commander. I can't watch <laughs> one scene of that movie. I read the script and loved it. So did my buddy, Matthew Lillard. We both got the parts. We went on location and they said, here's the new script. It was a piece of crap. So I want to, I want to, push back on this quote for a quick second here. And I'm curious about your thoughts about it, Kenny. Um, It feels a little bit like, um, how can I put this? Actor gets script, reads script, uh, bad script, but, you know, getting paid a fair amount of money for it could turn into something, could be a Star Wars, could hit the vein, um, and then pleads the fifth at the end and says, I got a new script and uh, it wasn't me. I didn't sign up for this. This movie turned out. I I just, there's a part of me that feels like I, I I'm not suggesting that in features, this doesn't happen. Rewrites happening all the time, getting new scripts that show up, all that sort of stuff. And actors use that as a scapegoat when the movie doesn't work. Um, But if the movie does work, everyone looks like a genius. I'm just not convinced that the script that he read was some sort of a fucking masterpiece that turned into Wing Commander, if you understand what I'm saying. I think you're, I, I mean, I think you're probably right, considering it's directed by the guy who wrote it and also wrote the video game. Um, so, 
that that's true. I think I think Freddie Prince is fairly interesting. Now, as you know, Amanda, I'm a big WWE fan. Freddie Prince wrote for WWE for a, a while. Yep. And like in his like interim, um, you know, after in interim, I mean, he's never really stopped acting, but he's he's a he's a like a lifelong wrestling obsessive. OK. And has like worked there. So he's kind of stayed like in my periphery mm-hmm. through all this time. Mm-hmm. And one, he's he seems pretty smart. Yeah. And uh, it, just in terms of like story sense and things like that, my sense from him is. And this is nothing to do with WWE. My sense from him is he never quite had the career he wanted to have. I think he, I, I think he doesn't quite understand why he never really got that shot at a real deal leading role, um, a meaty, a meaty leading role. And so it's you know something like Wing Commander, which you know, yeah. you never, you never really know what's going to be the next big sci-fi smash. Yeah. I think, I think he's a little upset that it wound up just kind of being a. a a bomb but what so amanda freddie prince jr <laughs> a big draw for you at 12 yes, right very much <laughs> uh he's he's a cutie i'm not saying he's not <laughs> um and i think he has charisma that being said do we think he's a good actor i <laughs> i know it's a loaded question and it, i would say maybe not upon reflection now as an adult but has charisma like i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you kenny in the sense that that's how he felt right the question i'm wondering as i look through his filmography and i think about like movies coming out around that time and the box he kind of got put in which are sort of subpar rom-coms and you know a couple what have you's I rented I all don't know of those that. rom-coms too. Everyone. Sure. I, I get, listen, I, she's all that. We talked about, obviously. He's very charming in it. Um, Summer Catch. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of things he's in. Um, I don't know that he actually has the bona fides, though. Do you think he has the talent to, to have, should have been offered something? You, you ever, system? you ever watch, you ever, did you, did you used to watch Boston Legal? I did. Was he Remember, on it? He, he was Shatner's son. Okay. And Shatner, like, won the emmy and was a you know a real kind of uh, yeah. uh it was kind of a big like kind of late late life breakout for him yep and and he was you know and, and shatner was going toe-to-toe with spader so there was almost like this knock-on effect where you had like like this incredible actor sure. in the lead role you had shatner going toe-to-toe to him with ele- which elevated shatner to spader's level yep. and having freddie prince come on and go toe-to-toe with shatner elevated freddie prince in my mind which is like in it probably would have been television, but there could have easily been that kind of role for him yep. Yep. Uh, in, you know, in a in an elevated procedural or something like that, a character based yeah. procedural um, that where he could have had fun. He. Not that this would have been a great career path for him, but like he easily could have been Chris O'Donnell in, in NCIS L.A. I was just and had say- 20 and had 20 years of that kind of life. I, you know, I totally agree with you. It's interesting. He could have been on a law and order. Um, I could have seen him, you know, uh, I know this predates him, but one of Dennis Franz's partners on NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, that would have been I, a good I, one for him. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're not wrong. I think he had that in him for sure. 
you know, it's it's interesting. He's obviously very content. It seems he had a sitcom briefly, right? He had Freddie. Um, yeah. That he, yeah. Which ran for a couple of seasons, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, I think he is, I think he is content. I think that's the, I agree. I think that's the big secret about him, which is like, I think he's totally fine with the way this all worked out. I think he's really happy with Sarah Michelle Geller. Very happy. They have I a family. They're just like I, they they have money. She kind of works whenever she wants. Yep, and yep. I think they're pretty happy. Yeah, they, 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 they figured the it out. The fuck is wrong with them? <laughs> so, so, Amanda, do you have a favorite Freddie Prince Jr. performance or did you have one when you were when you were 12? I think it definitely would have been. I know what you did last summer was the one that still was my all the way along. They're all great in that movie. It's the thing like that. That's one of those they movies are, yeah. that like they're all just really at the peak of their powers. I feel like, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great movie. So there's a bullet time moment in this movie, Kenny. I know it is. I freaked out. It's rough. And also like kind of unwarranted. Like why did it even happen? Plot wise? I'm still unclear. This actually predated the matrix. Is that crazy? That was what I was wondering when that happened as if it was, if I like snuck it in there really quickly. Wait, that's crazy to think about because I didn't realize when until you read the release date, yeah. this predated the Matrix. What so the they technically fuck? did bullet time first. Yeah, I don't think that they did bullet time. Well, obviously they didn't do it as effectively, but I also don't know that they did it actually with the same technique as the Matrix did, but I could be wrong. Because this bullet time uh seemed janky as fuck whereas whereas the matrix like obviously looked fantastic so i'm unclear as to how that even happened but it happened uh i don't know maybe i don't know it also just it felt so kind of shoehorned in there in terms of like just like how it happened in the story why it happened in the story just all of a sudden the ship like just stops and everyone kind of does the it's weird that's kenny what's up I'm just looking at I'm looking I'm looking yeah. up stuff and uh, more or less history of bullet time bullet time before the Matrix. Do you guys remember that Gap ad that used yes, bullet time? With the girl jump or the guy jumps? Yeah, that was '86. Yeah. Oh, seriously? Produced in '86, released in I don't know why I said '86 because I'm dyslexic. Produced in '96, released in '98. So '90 '96 '98. Wow, that makes I guess it makes sense that. I really existed before. I I mean, like ultimately when you think about it, yeah, it's not that impressive of a technology. It's just one of those things where you you just got to do it. You just got to, you just got to put a hundred cameras around someone. It also just goes to show not to, not the whole Mandela effect of it all, but I do think there is something to, we've associated this with the matrix. So everything in my brain that did it it just i just assume it's after i just right? assumed like, it was after yeah. too and i assumed it and i i almost i also assumed that's why it was kind of bad because it was almost like like Cla- remember clash of the titans did that yes. like retrofitting 3d thing yes. i right. thought it was just like all right, they're like oh, we should get them back in the studio and do one more bullet time thing because the matrix did it and that will sell this movie yep. uh and again it's not particularly difficult technology you just have to rent 100 cameras for a time um but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned Kenny. You mentioned uh, earlier the chemistry between Matthew Lillard and his romantic lead in this film, Rosie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Can we talk about the chemistry between Freddie Prince Jr. and Saffron Burroughs or lack thereof? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Did you think they had chemistry, Amanda? Can you, can you talk about something that's not there? Not even a little bit. It was embarrassing. Their kiss at the end actually kind of weirded me out a little bit. There's yeah. something about the way they kiss that I was like, I don't like this. The, the actress, the actress Holder, who played Rosie is Ginny Holder, by the way, British okay. actress. There you go. Um, yeah, am I wrong? Did the kiss, was it not a little weird, Amanda? It was really weird. I'm kind of thinking, though, with Freddie Prince Jr., like, she's all that. It doesn't really work, the romantic chemistry. He doesn't always necessarily have that good chemistry with his female co-stars, I would say, upon reflection. I don't think it works that well in, in She's All That. I agree with you. I think yeah. that, I, I, I mean, I think I think that movie is quite overrated, um, with the exception of Kevin Pollack. But, uh, yeah, I mean, She's All That's a... I mean, listen, we, we did a whole episode on She's All That, but I, I weirdly, I don't know that that Free Prince Jr. has chemistry with anyone except his wife. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. I think um, so, too. Yeah. yeah, but they have really nice chemistry together. They're they're, they're each other's lobster. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, so, uh, Amanda, uh, I, just out of curiosity, as we wrap this up, I wanted to ask, do you have any top five 99 movies what are your what are your favorites just off the top of your head um Blair Witch Project definitely is still one of my favorite movies I love that movie I loved it in 99 I love it now um great movie Talented Mr. Ripley definitely is another one that's just so good um I'd say Ravenous definitely too I love Ravenous nice Ravenous (laughs) is fucking great um Sleepy Hollow too is the mm-hmm. one I would sure. say is of course. <laughs> um, I, I think what would be a last one? There's so it's like, like it really is such a great year. There's so many. Um, it's it's it it really is a tremendous year, and and I, I'm I'm worried about when we have to do our final ranking, Kenny, because it's. I think I'm gonna rank. I say sorry. I would say last. I think I'm gonna do like 25. I think I absolutely. I have to do. I think we at least. I think we do 25. And uh, yeah, yeah, we have to. Yeah, it's important. I might do. It's. I might do a 25 like uh, favorite and a 25 best. There's. I think that's probably the. I agree with you. I think we have to do. I think we should probably do that too. Personal versus. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really tough year uh, to pick all that stuff out. But um, Amanda, we're we're so thankful that you that you've yes, go ahead. Can I just say one thing? Sorry. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I have to mention. You can't see it, but I am next to a poster of Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. Sure. And I have to mention that it is still criminal that Psycho was not on your hotels and motel screen drafts. I have to say it. I'm sorry. Criminal. Uh, You're right. You're absolutely right. You're right. You're wrong. Absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. A fellow screen draft uh, fan who takes this stuff seriously. I appreciate it. Um, it's uh, listen, mistakes were made. I'm willing to, I'm willing to admit <laughs> that mistakes were made. Uh, but uh, but, you know, uh, Psycho is a fucking amazing movie. A hotel and motel draft without Psycho. Who would do such a thing? Who would do who? such a thing? Who? Um, just a, I, an idiot. I should have ju- I should have just vetoed you. It's my fault. Well, you know, I wanted to keep the veto for my next draft. And it's important because our ne- I don't want to say what our next draft is, but it's a big draft. I look forward to what it is. <laughs> you know what it is. Do I know? Clay what asked, it is? Don't say what it is, but Clay asked us, remember? 
emailed us. He emailed oh, yes, us. Yes, 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 of course. Yeah, that's a, yes, of course. Yes. Uh, gotta, I really forgot about that. Gotta keep uh, those veets. I'm, yeah, that's those veets. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that was um, so, Amanda. Yes, go ahead, sir, please. Okay, one last uh, screen drops thing, no, too. No, that I was listening to um, the New Camp Classics one, which is an older draft. And I think it was when they played Hackers. And I think Clay said that, um, does Matthew Lillard being in a movie make it inherently camp? Oh, boy. That's an unfair thing to say. I don't think Which I, I actually would have agreed with that. I think Wing Commander disproves that because it could be fun and campy, and it is not in any way. He is, he is a campy actor. I don't but think But I don't so. know that the entire film retroactively becomes campy because he's in it. I, I don't think it's an insult. To me, camp is a high compliment. Oh no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I, I do, but like, is scream campy? I, I assume you'd have like that would almost be the the seed of this argument. The scream is campy. I don't know that it is. I just don't think. Frankly, I don't. I mean, it's straight, straight right, straight white bro. Is he campy? I mean, like, not really. You know, that's not really a campy guy. He's he's. Definitely cartoonish. He's big. He's big. He plays big. I know what you're saying, though, Amanda. I don't think you're wrong. I, I mean, it's, it's, the, I mean, the, the yeah, Descendants is campy, so I agree with that. <laughs> Your favorite movie, The Descendants. <laughs> fucking yeah, bad. that movie sucks. I'm not into that. <laughs> I do think, though, watching this movie, I did think about Matthew Lillard's in um, uh, the Twin Peaks new season, the most recent season of that. We're, we are, I think, as an industry, sleeping on Matthew Lillard as a as a just an actor, a tremendous actor. Period. Oh, um, I think that guy's got. He's fantastic. Like that, he has fucking chops, and I think that um, more people should cast him in stuff. And I think he's, I, if I'm being honest, he's one of the best things in the uh, Descendants. I think he's a good actor. Um, so, yeah. But I know where Clay's coming from. I don't think Clay is completely off base in the fact that he hit the element he brings to his movies tend to be dialed up to 11. So that yeah, is- I, I don't know if you would say that now, to be honest. New Camp Classics was a while ago, right? That was a few years ago. It was, yeah. I don't know how I missed it. It was when I was catching up on the older ones. Yeah, Show, Showgirls was like one, right? Something like that? I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I am curious, though, Amanda. Did you listen to the uh, Kirsten Dunst draft that I did with uh, I Dana? did. It was very, very, I was very happy, very happy with how it turned out. Great. Glad, glad to hear it. And I'm that one that, was, that was a, I had a fight for that. You guys are wild. I'm hoping you do the third. It's a trilogy and you do a reteam for another 90s actor. I think we, I mean, I think we're, my hope is Natalie Portman is what I'm hoping we do next. That would be we'll fantastic. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, man, there's just times where I'm just like, I feel like I, I can't believe I had to fight for an interview with the vampire. Like, it's just I absolutely madness. so happy that when you got it on there, because I thought that one wouldn't be a question. And then I got very nervous. Yeah, like, when we got mid, mid I was like, wait a second. Is this going to be a problem? Is she, <laughs> like, does it, how do you not like, anyway. Um, well, anyway, uh, so let's rate this, Kenny. We, neither of us saw yes, this in 99. Yes, of course. Uh, I didn't see it in 99. I came into this podcast. I put this at a 20. Uh, after this podcast, I think I'm, I think I'm down to, like, a, uh, uh, 19 or an 18 and I'm not even sure that we should have 20s bad. it's not that bad <laughs> really I mean I give it a 29 like it's bad okay. but yeah. like like it's bad but it's not like offensive I, I don't mean offensive like 
in terms of I, you're it, right. You're right. The whole you're thing right. isn't like it's not like I'll stick it at 20. You're right. Yeah. Stick it at 20. I, I'm I'm I was at a 29 before, you know, I'm going to stay around at 29. It's like this movie sucks, but like it doesn't suck like suck, suck, suck. But Amanda, you rule. What are you going to give it? Yeah. Um. Now or sorry. After what, did you, what, what, did you, what did you think in 99 in the theater? Oh, I probably would have given it like a 40 because it did have oh, okay. Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard. But I also never thought about it again. <laughs> that, that sounds fair. Where are you um, at now? Now I would say probably like a 30, maybe 35, just because I'm like nostalgic for that kind of movie. Now the really earnest kind of series. That's fair. That's fair. I, you know, I texted Kenny uh, about 10 minutes into this film and I was like, should this be rebooted? Like, is there something here on an IP level? And by the end, I was like, no. <laughs> but at the beginning, no. I was like, eh, maybe. But yeah, I, I, the weird thing is, I remember this film's release. Like, I remember this being. I do years. a little bit too. Like, it, it made a little bit of an impact, which is interesting because. And as far it's as like no tail. and as far as video game movies go, it yeah. does it does feel like it is trying to be its own thing and not trying to cater to video game players. It just, you know, it's ephemeral. Like it's just it's just another bad sci-fi movie from this period. And we've done a ton of them, actually. There are there are a lot of people like there's obviously something, you know, in the water where people felt like we we're ready for a new sci-fi franchise and matrix is the one that won and you know, movies yeah. like movies like the 13th floor and this and other things are the ones that lost. And, uh, but you know, there are a lot of people who were trying. It's, you know, listen, it's another thing, you know, to add to the, to the pile of 99 things that are interesting in terms of, you know, all of these movies, seeing star Wars, you know, coming and trying to figure out, is yeah. there a way for us to, carve out our own little other things um and this movie obviously tried to do that i commend them for trying um but it didn't totally work obviously but i mean this was uh this was a blast um this was an absolute pleasure to have you on and so much fun thank you (laughs) yes this is Uh, this is really really wonderful you you're you're our favorite person (laughs) you're you're supportive of our podcast Oh, it's, I mean, honestly, it's, it's one of those things, you know, Kenny and I have talked about this as we, as we wrap this up, this podcast, but like, you know, we, we did an episode with Mike Natale um, and we talked with him about this as well. And it's just like those, the, the, the people that support us and that love the podcast, they make it all worthwhile. And it, it just goes to show that like, we're not just two guys screaming into the ether and it always made it yeah and it makes us feel so much better when not that you know any any fan is great but it's nice to have smart fans so (laughs) (laughs) also true it's great we just we love the way you engage with us uh uh you know kind of at the top of your intelligence and we don't you know it's really kind of impressive just uh I mean, I'm impressed with ourselves that someone, someone <laughs> of your intellect is willing to give us uh, your, your time. So thank you. Thank you 100%. so much. I also will say too, you know, as we, uh, you know, Kenny, Kenny suggested the idea of us reaching out to some of our fans to do this. And it's, it's, it's just, it's lovely to meet you. It's just great to like, you know, put a face to the, to the, to the tweets um, <laughs> and to be able to, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's really nice. So we, we really do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we will we will see you in the in the Twitterverse. Uh, yes. And we thank you so so much for 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 coming on. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. Right, Take care, man. Great to meet you. Bye.